Welcome to episode 84 of the Roger Snipe Show. The Roger Snipes Show. Hey guys, my first ever paperback book, which is also available on Kindle, Your Mind Builds Your Body, is now available from Amazon. Now this book is an exercise and lifestyle book for anyone who wants a definitive and sustainable plan to transform their body and mindset. It takes you through my childhood upbringing so you can get an insight on where I came from. It also gives you all the methods which I have learned over the accumulative years which has helped me sustain a healthy, strong, lean physique with the biohacks I recommend for longevity. The building block of the body is not just amino acids, it's the mind. This is my version of a complete guide to unlocking your true potential and working towards greatness. Visit Amazon and search Your Mind Builds Your Body and order today. Wouldn't it be good to know when you're actually burning fat without guessing and calorie counting? Well, there is. And it's with a device called Lumen. It's the world's first handheld portable device that actually measures your metabolism. Lumen uses a CO2 sensor and flow meter to determine the CO2 concentration in a single breath. This indicates the type of fuel you're burning, i.e. carbohydrates or fats. I use this every morning, just before a fasted cardio, to check whether I'm in fat burning or carb burning mode. This way, you can plan your previous day's meal for the following day. Depending what your goals are, Lumen can keep a record of your breath intake and structure a plan for you so you can meet your goals easier. This device is revolutionary. I don't need to guess and see if it's working after. I just need to breathe in the Lumen and it tells me. Stop guessing and start progressing and check out Lumen now on www.lumen.me and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. Hey guys, what's up? So thanks for tuning in once again. And um, yeah, had to put in a, a couple of quick ads at the beginning. <laughs> so today is a very interesting podcast. It is with a friend of mine that I met back in 2011 um, when I was competing for the first time in natural bodybuilding. And the person I've got on today goes by the name of Derek Twam, who is the founder of MEM Fitness. So as we were competing um, and we started talking about our, I don't know, fitness lifestyle, uh, we started to share things about our journey and what got us into fitness. And one of the things which I learned about Derek was he had spent some time behind bars. And I was like, okay, I know quite a few people that has been to prison. So it wasn't like, a, I don't know, like a major shock to me or anything. Not that I was <laughs> thinking he looked like a crook, but it was just one of those like, oh, right, right. You know, because it's like, who hasn't been to prison? Well, I haven't, but you know what I mean? Um, so we started to talk and, you know, when he was telling me about the sort of people that he was incarcerated with, I was like, 
Like, what what did you go in prison for exactly? And he told me manslaughter. And I was like, right, wow, wow. And um, I've only heard that once before through another friend of mine. And the only thing that crosses my mind are a couple of things. Firstly, how does a person deal with that? Knowing that they have taken the life of someone else. And another another part is the the family, the family of the, you know, the deceased. How do they deal with that? And how how is their family? You know, that sort of thing crosses my mind and I'm like, wow, that's uh that's deep. That's deep. So Derek's business is through motivating the youth kids that possibly are on the let's say on on the on the same kind of path that Derek used to be when he was a late teen and so what he wants to do is you know kids that are interested in that kind of thing or just you know being on the streets perhaps taking drugs and doing petty crime his goal is to get these kids off the streets and just getting into a life of fitness. And as we know, being in fitness, it's not just about looking good, but being in good shape helps you to be in, in better mental shape as well. You start to think better. Um, you start to, uh, I guess, um, hang around the right kind of people. You know, because you hang around with people who have a healthy body, healthy mind, healthy lifestyle, and it will eventually get you out of this idea that petty crime, which can lead to other heavy stuff, um, is not the way to be. So I have to commend uh, Derek from making such a an amazing change from his previous life. I mean, he'd spent two decades behind bars to, to to give him enough time to think about it and think about what can I bring to the world when I leave now there's always an option of going back into what you'd previously done maybe for some people it's the only thing that they do know so it's like well what else can I do and um, we, we actually go through that which is really interesting people who who are in prison they leave the prison go back back out on the street and they're not sure how to live a normal life so yeah we go through a lot of that and um, just his life behind bars what life was like the people you know the inmates the correctional officers um, daily routines it's it's really interesting I've always thought to myself prison life is a different kind of life you know, um, but yeah, so Derek himself is, as I said, the founder of MEM Fitness, which is all about mentoring, educating and motivation for the youth. And part of his company is uh, MEM Academy, which is all about empowering youth and ex-offenders living in deprived areas of London and yeah, getting him involved, involved in sports, education and employment. 
So it's a really, really good cause which he is doing. He's been doing this for at least 10 years now. And it's great to see his company grow. Anyone who wants to get involved, I would highly suggest please get in contact with him because um, this is an amazing thing. Amazing. You know, anything involving children and putting them in the right place, it's all about that. Anyways, let's bring on Derek Twan. So, Derek, how you doing, bro? Good, man. It's been a while, bro. It's been a while. I know, right? Damn. Like, it, you know, even before the whole lockdown madness, it'd been a while since I'd seen you. When was it? When 2016. Was... 2016, Body Power. Wow. I know. Uh, that's like, what, five years ago, yeah. Wow. Put on a couple of pounds since then, you know. <laughs> it's funny, like, Body Power was the place to be, like, I don't know, that was like the new nightclub or something like that. Everyone was like, how are you going body power? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Getting dressed up for it. <laughs> like yeah, you know, get your pump for it. Everybody preparing, you know, weeks ahead. I'm getting ready for body power, yo, you know. Oh man. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that was, um, that was, I, I don't know what happened to it, but that was uh, uh, an error, I guess, you know. Yeah. And then the internet came in and things got a little bit, you know, slow, slow down for them, I guess. But yeah, man, I was supposed to be at some point, you know? I guess so. You got other expos as well. You got FIBO, which... Yeah, I've done FIBO. Did you do FIBO? Yeah, yeah, I've done that quite a few times. Okay. Over the years. Only did, you know, that one trip, but it was a trip. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> did I go to FIBO? No, I don't think I did see you at FIBO. In 2014, I went over there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. FIBO was just mad, though, wasn't it? How many people was at, at that um, expo? Uh, it was triple. It was double the amount or triple the amount of body power. Because mm, mm. they were like rooms. I, I didn't. I don't think I even got to sort of visit most of those rooms. But because it was that big. Yeah, yeah. No one. No one ever does. No one. Nah, it's impossible. Especially if you're working there. If you go there as a visitor, it's a bit different. Um, but if you are on a stand, that's 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 hard work. Um, yeah, and that was. Yeah. Anyway, so we, we met in MuscleMania 2011. Um, yeah. And I think it was like both of our first bodybuilding show. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, the natural bodybuilding. Um, yeah, 2014. Yep, yeah, like you said, I was my first ever. But um, I just wanted to say, let me go on stage. You know, I've been training for all these years. Let me just go put it a test. Mm. And see, you know, where I rank against <laughs> Mr. Snipes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was an amazing experience for everyone, though, you know. Like no, it was, it was. We none of us knew exactly what to expect. None of us really were fantastic at posing. It was just like being on the stage and looking at these people watching <laughs> us, you know, with judges there critiquing our physique. That's quite yeah. a scary thing. It is, it is. Before you even go on, you like. You know, everything is cramped up as you've been, you know, drying, you know, the drying season where you're drying your um, body up or whatever the case is. So yeah. before you go on stage, you're feeling already nervous. And on top of that, you you know, you're not well, um, 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 what's that, 
you know, have the proper nutrition is the what you know, since mm. you try not to get on stage. So during that time, you get that cramp happening, yeah. you know, in your, you know, mid-session abs. And yeah, no, it was a nervous experience. Yeah. But yeah, well, I just recall you looking just phenomenal, man. I just remember that. Yeah, yeah. When I saw him, I said, is that my competition? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro. I said, nah, these dudes, they doing me dirty. I mean, I'm looking at myself as a middleweight. They put me against a heavyweight. Nah. You know, um, yeah, I think I was middleweight at the time i'm not too sure how much i weighed i think it was around 82 or something like that 82 wow i think so yeah yeah i was uh, like around the same i think but again i think i'm like six six one and a half six two let me add the two in there i'm thinking yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm like five ten and a half <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like, yeah so yeah um great yeah, so, um, yeah i think that's and that was a hell of an experience i think um with the pose, I was looking at you. You looked like you had a little bit more grace with it, you know. With me, I was a bit. I was learning. I think. I think for me it was, um, you know, I was really into watching the Mister Olympia, and I actually had some tapes. Yeah, tapes. I still had tapes. Damn. Um, yeah. Exactly. Cassette tapes. Tapes. Um, and I recall watching watching some of them, and just I guess trying to. Uh, trying to do what they do really i understand you know? yeah um i did the same i'm not even gonna lie youtube i even came across your boy ulysses before i even got to meet him at the um you know we all became friends eventually but mm. you know before i got to to meet him i was like who's this dude you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i was learning from from all of that and um i don't know if he came across that way on stage but you know uh, um, yeah. I think with us, it was a bit different. I, I, looking back on my videos, I was like, oh gosh, I feel so <laughs> cringe. Like, oh God, did I do that? It was terrible. Yeah. Um, but hey. You learned from it and now you moved on and cleared up the stages, you know, grabbed a few trophies along the way. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Same so, here, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's what we yeah. do, man. So um, you, um, I remember, um, when we was backstage, you was telling me about your your brand, your company called MEM. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at that time, it wasn't even, it was just an idea. It's just, yeah. it was more like, literally, I, you know, just the name. But I had a vision and I, you know, I wanted to inspire like young people using us, like the way we look. I know when I was young, I used to look up to Rambo and, and Conan the Barbarian. I'm like, damn, these dudes, I would love to be like, you know. That kind of physique, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw that in us that we've, you know, I've, you know, I'm now became that Conan the Barbarian, and mm -hmm. <laughs> you've become Rambo. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know what? We could put this thing, do the same thing, with, you know, inspire young people in in a place where they're not really exposed to these sort of things. Yeah. So going into that, so the company MEM. Yeah. Um, basically, MEM stands for mentoring, educating, and motivating. Motivating. Yeah. You got and the it. message behind that is to um, inspire young kids and put them in the right direction, keep them off the street. Is is it That's something you right on track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So basically, that. So it's it's um to empower young people using fitness mm -hmm. and showing them a better uh, you know a better way. We like the new gang that they could join. 
meaning like get get ins- inspiration from because I feel like you know people that grow up in a certain um, um, environment they exposed to the wrong sort of you know motivational uh, not motivational but like you know you know what I mean like the um, um, wrong so- sort of role model yeah yeah and um, so I wanted to sort of become something you know bring something different to that you know show show them something different that's awesome and using people like yourself people like myself at that time I, I felt like you know we had something really strong in terms of a movement yeah you that, know that's brilliant because you know more of that is definitely required sometimes you see you can see kids on the street and you can't just go up to them and just say oh what you're doing is wrong because they might not actually be doing anything wrong at that particular <laughs> time. They might just be sitting on the floor. But, yeah. you know, it's just the sheer fact that they're sitting on the floor with a group of other kids, just maybe smoking cigarettes or whatever. And you think, ah, we have to know I, I know what this is going to lead to. Nothing is happening right now, but I know where it can go. It's going. It's going to places. And, I, mm. and you know, and that's, that's because of my experience. I understood that this is needed. Yeah. You know, so this is where I was... So every time I saw anybody, I look, you know, in a kind of wild, like yourself, in that kind of physique. Mm. I say, you know what, bro, you could be a role model. Somebody could look up to you and say, I want to be like him. How do I do it? And because of you, they start grabbing weights or start doing their first push-ups. And they'll, this, that's the journey into the fitness world, you know. Yeah. Let's, I saw let's, the power in it. Yeah. Let's 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 uh, take it back a bit. So what actually got you into the idea of wanting to inspire kids off the street uh, to doing something good for themselves? Well, again, if you could tell by my eyes that I grew up in the States, you know, majority of my life. Which and, part? Um, um, New York, but then we moved to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So Connecticut, I was living around Stanford, Connecticut, which is like a small little town. So coming from a big city, moving to a small town, boredom. So, you know, bored to, oh, the boredom was <laughs> grueling. So with that, it was really easy to be, you know, sort of, if you don't have nothing to do as a kid, like you were just saying, just sitting around smoking or doing whatever. It's easy to fall victim to the, the traps that's surrounded in my community, which is, you know, you live in a hood. So um, um, the reason why I got into this whole MEM thing is based on my background. I was involved in the whole gang culture as a teenager. And like you said at the beginning, um, the, the way I got into it was same thing, boredom. You know, like I said, we was living in New York. We moved to Connecticut. And um, the, the area I was living was quite small and, and based you know, based on that, I was easily influenced in joining that kind of lifestyle, you know, and then from that, you know, it ended up in going into prison. Right. So what did you get involved in, which, um, what, what typical, I don't know, bad did stuff you, did you get involved bro, into as a kid? Bro, we've done it, you know, drugs, selling drugs. Mm-hmm. But my out, main thing in my, the game that I was involved in was robbery. Robbery. I, yeah, we used to see... But we used to rob drug dealers. Right. Right. Because that way, that's where the excitement was at for us. <laughs> and the re- it, it, remember, I was like, six, we like 16, 15, 17, we young. Mm. And, you know, so we was part of a, a bigger grant gang called the Brotherhood. Mm. But we had our small chapter. So the, the younger generation 
but the, the brotherhood was like 21 and above, but we were like the baby brotherhood, but we were the ones that was causing chaos in the neighborhood in terms of robberies and things like that. And they used to go back to the older cats. Mm. But in a nutshell, we was, that's, that's like the, you know, in a gang culture, just robberies and just doing all the wrong things that you don't want to do. Yeah. But you get it. It's easy to fall into it when you're not, um, like I said, when there is nothing around you and the people around you are sort of inciting that, you know, what are we going to do today? Yo, let's go on a mission. I was, that was the code. Let's go on a mission. And a mission just means <laughs> free fall. We just about to go do some wild stuff. Mm-hmm. And there is no planning. It's just, let's just go on a mission. But, you know, so that's a typical lifestyle in that world where, you know, I, it's, it's exciting, you know, in that, in that, in that when you're young and, you know, you, you're not thinking about a repercussion, you think it's exciting at that point. But, um, yeah, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> what about school? How was you school, at school? I mean, for me, I went to, I mean, I, I went to school. I mean, obviously like everybody else, we, but I dropped out of high school mm-hmm. at the age of 16 or so. Yep. You know, and I, did you I, leave? I, was I, you expelled? No, no, it was just the streets was calling me a lot more than the, the, the schooling. So instead of going to school, I used to take going here, I'll take left, right. you know, and um, I end up doing the wrong things with the right, you know, with, with the crowd. Okay. So, so I mean, I went to school, I did what I, I did as a younger person, you know, a younger child or whatever the case may be. But um, once I got involved in the street, the schooling thing, you know, sort of, I was diverted, bro. Mm. Diverted. It as though it was paying off or something. Like you're on the street, you got, you, you got through people that you feel you resonate. You're making with. money at a young age. Uh. You're impressing, you know, the young girls around you, and everybody. When you get in the gang, it becomes it's like your family almost. Mm. And we use words like "yo, I love you, man. You my brother, man," and you know, so you feel like you. This is my family. I don't need that right there. This. So, you know, if my family saying, yo, bro, this, I mean, it wasn't no phones at that time, but if my, your family says this is what we're doing today and whatever the case may be, you're going to be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and then, and and a lot of these things has repercussion. So if we we have, for example, if one of your family members comes to you and say, yo, we, we doing this and doing that, and you don't show up, you, we got this thing called a 30-minute bounce, where, I mean, 30 seconds, sorry. Well, 30 seconds bounce where you get a bunch of dudes just being being up on you for 30 seconds. That's a form of punishment in a gang culture. So there's a lot of things or uh, push-ups. I mean, one thing I could say is that even though we was all over the place with it, it still has some kind of structure in terms of they had, you know, the 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 founder and then, then the lieutenant, and then I guess we were like the palms, you know, because <laughs> we like the young soldiers, whatever you want to call it. But so, yeah, so. I want to know. Okay, so sounds wild. So yeah. you're, you're a kid, you're robbing drug dealers and what, selling their drugs afterwards? No, no, no. This is what we used to do, right? It's not, we, we never used to try to get them for um, um, their drugs or whatever the case may be. It was more for money. So what we do, we know at the end of the night, most people have already made a certain amount of cash. So this is why nighttime we used to go on the mission. 
and target those sort of people because we know, you know, they some of them may be drunk, walking around, doing whatever. So it's, it's just a target. We know where to get them because they're on the block. And so that's, you know, a lot of my boys down the line pay for it. The ones that stayed in America and continued that lifestyle. What I mean by that is a lot of them are, like we said, RIP. Because mm-hmm. it's up to you, you know. Let's let's take it a little bit further. So it got to a point where you was in prison, you was incarcerated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes with the territory. You know, yeah. you're wrong. You're going to have that, that black cloud around you. And eventually you're gonna to have to pay the piper. That's what that's what I invested in as a young kid. You know, I invested into wrong, wrong, wrong. And you know, I was fortunate that I got caught out while I was still in my teenage years, you know. Mm. A lot of my peers get caught out later. You know, when you set up a family and you're living happily and that, you know, you think you've made it and you're still in that lifestyle, and eventually, boom. You know, the, the cops come back on your dawn and, mm. and it's all over with now. But I, I got caught up when I was still, like I said, I was 18 when I caught my case, you know? And it was like, again, a night out, wilding out, as we call it, you know? And um, it's, it's, it happened and I was, we was basically like a bunch of young kids. We, we um, rented our motel room. And um, um, this is what we used to do on the weekend. So we used to make money during the week. And then, because uh, we was young, we can't go out partying in clubs and things like that. So we used to rent our motel, not hotel. <laughs> the motel is a, a lot cheaper than, and, a, you know, so we ran out a couple of rooms and we have a bunch of girls in there or whatever. And then we, you know, young, pe- young people having fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, whew, the whole, that night, you know, one of those nights we was having that, that same kind of, you know, wild night out. And um, uh, those places, it was a place where a lot of druggies knew where to find us on a weekend. So in my case, what the way I the way I end up in prison, that's why, you know, when you get to this point, I start, palms start sweating when I'm talking about this, this situation. So, right, right. Whew. I feel you, bro. It's like going back. So a horrible night, boss. Like it's crazy. But um, so yeah, this dude came in and he just came in. He wanted to buy drugs, and I'm around, you know, again with my boys. We always got pieces on, on us because you know we in gangs. In America, we don't carry knives. It's, it's it's a gun thing, right? So this dude came in. He wanted to buy drugs. So that's nothing. That's just a basic request as usual. But one, a couple of my guys just want to take his car for a joyride, right? So they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give us your keys and we're going to take your car. We're going to go grab the stuff and come back and bring you what you need, right? He goes, yeah, okay, cool. Give up his keys. But I think he was waiting around for a bit longer than anticipated. And he was getting a bit agitated and said, yo, where's your boys at? And he was, we young, he's older than us. So he, I think he was trying to, you know, use bully tactics. Like, where's your boys at? Like, where you could tell he was fiending for whatever he came for. And it's taking too long. And now he's getting a bit. So I said, I, I had a piece on me. So I pull it out just to show him. And like, yo, bro, calm down. So he saw my piece, got shook and ran off, right? And he's standing. And I kid you not, right? But the, the distance between me and this person was so far that 
in my head, I'm like, you know what? This dude is still standing there. I'm going to just let off one shot. One shot. Just to scare him off. That one shot, bro, changed my whole life forever. And changed that boy's family. Obviously, now he's... That one shot basically took him out. Bro. So, I, I basically, I went in for manslaughter in a nutshell. But the point I'm making is, is we carry weapons around as a young people. You know, when you're young, you carry weapons. You, you're doing something reckless that you're not thinking. You know, you're young. You're not thinking that this is going to happen. Bro, this is exactly how it was when I was pulling on the trade. I said, yo, I'm about to scare this person. <clears throat> running. Not even looking. Running to the hotel just to... And, you know, I got my friends around me. They're laughing, thinking, yo... Um, did you, um, did you think he, um, what, I think one person said, you think he got hit? I'm like, nah, impossible. It's 1 a.m. It's dark. All I'm thinking is he heard the shot, he's run off. So, you know, he's not coming back. These guys got his car for a joy ride, whatever the case may be. And, um, so we back, we back in the hotel room and I'm sitting in there. I think 30 minutes later, I'm hearing the siren. I'm like, oh, snap. And one of my friends, I think you hit him. And at that time, they used to call me crook because, you know, most of my friends, it was, it was, it's not crook because I still, it was <laughs> crook because they used to call me Brooklyn or whatever. That was like a short for Crooklyn. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that name became, went from Crooklyn and became crook. And that stuck with me on the streets till when I was in jail and coming out, I said, that crook thing is dead. <laughs> but let's just bring it back to um, how I ended up in there. So, yeah, so that was that night. And um, that one experience, just like I said, just thinking you about to scare somebody off and not looking, you, you know, you prepare to run. So you just letting it loose. Pop. This guy's standing so far. You thinking that he's just going to hear the shot and just run off. So there's no aiming. There's no just I'm premeditation of I'm about to hit him in a let nothing. It wasn't even that. It was just I'm about to scare him. Bro, that changed the whole thing around. And like I said, um, people around me is like, Crook, I think he got hit. And I'm like, what do you mean he got hit? That's impossible. This dark light. So we in a room and when I heard the siren, I'm like, now you know you got the heart beating. I'm like, oh, snap what like you think what have i done like jesus christ no way so you think even if he got hit probably he got hit in the arm or the leg but not what i was was getting ready to happen right so all i know is that night the police was going around all the rooms knocking on doors and saying did you hear anything did you hear anything now they would have came in our room and searched it was so many guns in there because it was just nothing but gang members right we <laughs> we was always getting booked that night but it was one person, I remember the guy named Mike, he was the older, he was about 21, he booked the room. So his name was on the room with the, the so he showed up and they said, oh, um, no, we didn't hear nothing. So we all figured like we were sleeping. They didn't stick their head in there to even do further um, investigation or anything like that. But um, yeah, so that was, that was that part there. And then from then on, the next morning, bro, I go to the um what we call the bodega in America because I just wanted to go look at the newspaper and see if anything is in there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is already on the front page. Wow. That someone got found on the I-95 
with a gun. Whew. It was it's deep. Let me take a quick break. Hey, no worries, bro. That shit. It is painful, like to even think about. I don't even. Oh. But yeah, that's it, man. Maybe we should go something light and then come back to that. Cause... Yeah. So. <clears throat> so now you've been you've been sentenced, and you've, you know, you end up in prison. Um, not even not not even the sentence part, but um, no. before I even get into that, it's just you know, like I said, when we young, we make a lot of stupid mistakes, but this one is beyond like you know, yeah, and you gotta live with it. You feel me, like? Hey, man. Can't imagine. Couldn't imagine. And that's what I do. What I do. You feel me? That's what I do. What I do. But yeah. On a lighter note, you can't get no light. But yeah, this is that's how this things happen, man. That's how it happened. So, but then I had to go in there and pay for it. So yeah, they eventually found you. So obviously they they didn't see you at the time. Did you did you just go to the police station and confess? No 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 no. So once I read that thing in the, in the newspaper and I realized, damn, this this thing was it got to that point. So it's like, damn, you took your your reckless act has taken a life. So once I read that, so you know you young you i'm like 18 and i have this this monster on my back like i've wrecked the whole family oh. okay let's um let's let's move heavy. past that it's heavy yeah um yeah let's let's get to the point where okay you're in um you're in the court and you've now been given a sentence. So the, 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 the way, I mean, my, my, before we even got to that, so I had to, once I saw this and I know, damn, I'm facing, you know, like you young, I've never been to prison before. I've never got a charge. I've never be, you know, been booked for anything. And my first ever sort of something like this is, is that. Mm. and that's just you know the, the reality of being involved in this whole gang culture the one to carry weapons and that's why i said you know people like you me or whatever the case may be is needed because if i had somebody like myself or yourself when i was young as a role model i doubt you know we'll be able to save a lot of lives in that doing senseless shit like this you know, where like you can see a lot of this, this thing is happening in London now, knife, crime, this, that. A lot of these kids, I, some of them are ruthless. 
some of them, they don't even mean that. Like, they just thinking, oh, I'm just going to do this. And and then boom, this you just took a life. I have a friend who went in for something similar. Well, not directly the same sort of thing, but a, a similar situation where he kind of got caught up in a brawl and he had a knife on him. Mm. And he was just swinging it about, not really checking to see how, what he was doing with the knife. Yeah. Uh, to then notice that he slit this guy's throat. <clears throat> and um, he, this guy was just bleeding. I don't know the full ins and outs of that, <clears throat> but I do know that he wasn't expecting that to happen. Of course not. And um, just like what you were saying about, you know, seeing it on the front cover, I just remember looking at a newspaper like the Metro or something and just seeing a picture of about six or seven different pictures of one of this guy mm. and like loads of my other friends that was there at the time because they were all involved. I was like, oh my God, all my wow. mates, what are they all doing in the newspaper? And then... Um, yeah, then, then later realizing what was going on. And I was like, wow, this is serious. Because mm. I was thinking to myself, like the, 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 the guy who got convicted, he wasn't really that sort of person. Right. But he yeah. was hanging around uh, with a lot of people like that. The other guys, I could have expected that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But yeah. he, was, he, was, he, was, he was kind of like a, he was a bit religious. He always cared about, you know, his mom. I just remember he was always talking about his mom, doing everything for his mom. Yeah, yeah. That, and that was it. It's in prison. Yeah, with me, I mean that it's it's very similar. Like, you know, you, you when you are out there, you you just wanna you just wanna be you wanna belong to a crew. But the last thing on your mind is to try to hurt somebody or try to. You might have a beef with people that really deserve it, mm. but like the the person that don't, that's not the one that you want to you know, victimized, you feel me? So in my case, that's why it affects me this way because I know that guy didn't deserve that. You feel me? And even though it was an accident, it's still, you know, it's a re really reckless, it's, you can't, an accident is when you fall in, in, and bump your lips off, but this is not, this is beyond that, you feel me? So in a nutshell, yeah. So this is why I always say sometimes, you know, we, we act and then, when it's too late, it's like, oh God. But this, you know, this sometimes you can't take that old, you can't take it back. It's it's done. Now you gotta go pay the piper. So okay. in my case, I mean I didn't, I didn't, you know, um, the people that was around me, your gang members, mm. right? The ones that said, Oh, I love you, man, you my brother, man, you know, blah, 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 blah. When it came down to it, and they started asking questions, what happened? Guess who was the forefront? The same people that claim they love me, they're my brothers, and they would die for me. They was in the forefront. As a matter of fact, they, they, they were like this, leg crossing everything, snitching in style, bro. Like it was this guy named Crook from New York. It was this guy named Crook from New York. And yeah, so once I got a whiff that I was wanted, I'm 18. I'm not like in a hurry to go to prison, bro. Yeah. I ran. So I came to England, I went on a run for like 14 months, I think, on a run. And um, Scotland Yard finally got their hands on me eventually. 
um, broad daylight, guns out and everything. I think England ain't never, never seen no scene like this. And like, and I'm 19, baby face. They probably thinking, what has this dude done? Mm. And I'm like, whew. You know, now, and I, it's time to go pay the piper. So at that time, I was 19 years old. And when it, the guy arrested me and put the cuffs on me and reading my rights, and I was hoping it was like maybe a, some silly shit in London that, you know, that has happened or whatever the case may be. But I knew what it was, you know, when you know what it is. But at least, you know, I always say I had like 14 months to just be free and just kind of like block. I will, it's hard to block it out. You can't block it out, but you try. Like, oh, it never happened. It happened. Now you got to go pay the price for it. And, you know, my, the charge they gave me at the beginning, and I know it was wrong, the first charge. So my charge was when they put the cost on me was murder. Mr. Mr. Derek Twam, you are under arrest for the murder of, like, murder. It was an accident. That's all I'm thinking. But they don't care about that. That's what you being booked with. So when when we out there, you know, again, carrying weapons, wilding out, just always remember that. There is a chance that things like this can happen to you. You know, and so for me, I learned the hard way. You know, my parents used to try to talk to me. Cousins used to try to stay off the streets. Stay off the... Yeah, whatever. I know better. You know, pants sagging down here somewhere. You feel me? I'm back on the streets. Yeah, whatever. And then when I came knocking in, now I'm calling mom, crying like a little girl, just like now. Oh, you know, they got me, mama. They got you. For what? Because my mom thought I was just going to England because... um. Cause that's what I told her that uh, the, the, the gang members wanted to, I was, they trying to kill me. So I used that, you know, I got an African parent. I told her something like that. She probably would have killed me herself. <laughs> so, um, you know, in our, in our case, that's what I said to her that, you know, um, this is happening and I'm, um, I want to go to England for a bit for it to cool down. So when I came at my house, sorry about that. Hey, no worries. Yeah, so when that happened, um, yeah, so I came to England for like 14 months and I got caught here, got arrested. Um, they set me up smoothly. One morning, I was coming out of um, the job center. Yeah, looking for work. And um, I think the way they've done it is the, the lady that I usually was take, that I used to, I used to have to go in and sign something or something. It was way back in the day, so. Mm she sort of stalled me that day, right? And said, oh, we can't find your documents. Meanwhile, Scotland Yard was parking up outside waiting for me and, and you know, like, like something out of a movie, bro. As soon as I came out, you know, it's like, I remember the carnival was in, I was excited, you know, I'm about to experience my first carnival in England. And it was like, carnival's in two days. So it was like on a Thursday, something like that. And I got caught on a Tuesday, so two days before the carnival. I remember I got caught on the 28th of August. I remember like it was yesterday, right? And when they read my rights, bro, shut up, my God. Just imagine, 19, they, they put this monster on your back. Well, I put it on my own back. Mr. Mr. Derry Twam, you, you are being booked for this 
crime. I was like, what? Man. I thought that's something that people plan to do. Like, why am I being charged with that? Like, what's... And I mean, I didn't ask him questions. All I know is I asked him one question. I said, was y'all going to shoot me? Because they had guns on me and everything. And they said, well, America said you was armed and dangerous. So if you would have made a move like, yeah, we would have laid you down, bro. <laughs> you know, and then that's the media for you. They don't know me, but he's armed and dangerous. But yeah, so, so that was the start of my prison journey. It started off in Felton, which is like a young offending sort of institution. Felton, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a few friends that went there. <laughs> and I was in there um, for 90 days fighting extradition. So I didn't want to get extradited because, you know, I was born in England, but I was raised in America. So I left out. My parents moved out when I was like maybe two years old, three years old, around that age. So I never really got to live in England. I didn't know nothing about England in terms of living here anyways. And um, so, yeah, so... I did 90 days here. I was trying to fight extradition to stay here. And, um, but that didn't work in my favor. Of course not. With the crime that I got charged with, it wasn't, it wasn't going to work in my favor. But my lawyer, because he was getting paid, he just kept my hope alive. Yeah, we got a chance. <laughs> we got a chance. And then on my 90 day, they just waited. The part that pains you is that 90 days counts for nothing. It's like you free, free time that you're giving out to the state or whatever you want to call it. But if I would have known that I'm going anyways, I would have saved myself at 90 days off of my sentence. You know, and I would have just said, just send me over and let me go face the piper. Okay. Yeah. So that was stage one. Now, you know, stage one is I got, I got arrested in England. They've locked me up in Felton. Where I experienced, the, 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 I mean, Felma always said was the worst place I've did my time, and everybody think America is this and that. It is bad, but Felma was worse. Really? Maybe because we was younger, and when you go in the population where it's we're not even twenty one yet, you can imagine <laughs> it's like a um, what's that? It's just wow. This is wow <laughs> with no control. Just, you know young kids and just just fight i was fighting every day bro in felon just mm. you know people trying you yankee boy this and yankee boy that and so we fighting and so i had to take some losses and give some you know give some out but i was willing to you know stand for myself and that's the thing about prison you don't want to you know when someone says hi and you like oh. That's it. The time for you is going to be hard. You can't hold on to nothing. You know, food, they're coming to get it. <laughs> Sneakers, if it looks good, they're taking it. So at least, even if you're taking an ass whooping, just stand up for yours. So I, you know, I had to learn that the hard way from day one, you know. And so it was a crash course, um, Raj. Crash course. But yeah, so. We went from the streets to, you know, now we in prison. Mm. So, yeah. So that was Felton experience. Um, like I said, I was there for 90 days. And in the 90 days, I experienced the experience over there was just horrible. The food, I told you, um, I think I mentioned it to you once, the chicken. I always remember the chicken that bleeds. <laughs> 
You see, bite into the chicken, you see blood. And it's like that every Sunday. I'm like, why is your chicken always bleeding? <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is life. This is going to be me now. And at that time, I was facing, you know, in film, I knew when I go in the States, if I get convicted of the crime they, they charged me with, I was facing 60. 60. 60. Zero. So when I was in Feldman, I'm telling people that England, they never heard of these numbers. So they're like, what? Oh, this. Some of them thought I was going on death row because of the crime I was charged with, you know. But death row, you really got to be some extreme stuff for all that. We're not going to get into that, but you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that was that was that was my um the monster that was on my back. 60 years, but I knew. If the truth came out, there's no way in hell I was going to get that. And once the truth came out, as you know, I, I'm here now to talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah. you're not over 60. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so you uh, you end up going to the States and uh, your charge gets reduced to manslaughter. Yeah, so I was offered, um, even though they, they knew this what the, this this what happens when you don't have the money for the lawyer, right? Each mm. one for the public defender, and the public defender usually works with the state, so they they friends. But it's an illusion to the um, poor child that don't have that kind of representative that they working with you, but they're not really working with you. You know, so what they do is, even though they know that my crime should have been manslaughter from day one they gave me the worst case scenario and then it made me feel like oh we're giving you this so take this or go to trial on that so they say all right so you cap out to manslaughter today or you go to trial on murder where you if you lose with a public defendant (laughs) you can get 60 years so basically, just take this, bro. Yeah. Where in my case, if I had a proper lawyer, they would have already reduced that point to where it's supposed to be from day one, which was an accident. And um, and then we would have sort of you know moved further from that, and I would have probably got way less time than what I was um, um hit with, which is the maximum for manslaughter. What you was know? that? Um, 2-0. You got 20 years. 20 years. I Asian. First crime, first time in prison, first everything. They hit me off with the maximum for my crime. Which is, you know, at that time it was hard to swallow, but for what I went in for, I accepted it. Yeah. You so know? when when you was given that sentence, the moment you heard You've been given 20 years. What was going through you at that point? It's funny. It's, it's you, People, even uh, the sheriff looked at me and I smiled at him. And he said, you smiling, young man? You know, you might not see the streets for another 14 or 15 years. But he didn't understand the smile was a relief. Like I was facing six, six oh, 60. You've given me minus 80 off of that. I feel like, okay, I got a shot now. You know, I'm, I'm going to come out. I have friends. During that time, I witnessed a lot. Like, I was going to, we going to court every day. And I'm seeing people around me 
getting hit off with what we call monster bids. So monster bids is like when you get 120 years and 45 and 75. I witness all of these people around me, grown ass men breaking down, just ooh, crying, bro. Like I've seen it going to court and we all get chained together when we go into court. And when we coming back out, we all chained together. And you can see some of them breaking down on the, on the end or this one is, bro, I did just did it. And some of them, the reason why it is, is they gamble with their lives. You know you did it. Why are you gambling with your life? Because you think you could beat the system and they will go in and gamble with it and boom, they hit them all up, you get the maximum. And they come back and you know they got 60 or 45 or 75. And when I was witnessing that around me, I said, oh no, I'm not playing Russian roulette. I'm 19, I have a shot. I'm not gonna play this Russian roulette and say, oh, you know what? Let me just go to trial and hopefully I'll go home. You did the time, I mean, you did the crime. You know, I owned that to mine. I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna accept the charge of manslaughter, which is what I thought I should have been charged with from day one. And I accepted it. And from then on, they gave me two weeks. No, they gave me two weeks to think about it, as a matter of fact, when they, they came back with the... Um... So when I went back to the block, which is, you know, the prison, and I'm asking the jailhouse lawyers, you know, people that have, they've been in the system for a while, so they understand the law, they pop. And I'm like, yo, what you think? And a lot of them telling me, don't take it. Don't take it. Don't take it. They don't have nothing on you. They are offering you man. And it's a pressure for you, like a young person, someone older cast is saying, don't take it. If they, they're offering you this, it means they don't have nothing on you. And I'm like, nah. So, you know, when I went back, I just didn't want to play with my life like that. I just hopped on that and I'm like, okay. So I took the manslaughter charge, not knowing how much they was gonna, they were gonna, I was gonna get sentenced with, um, to. Right, right. So yeah, once you take it, then you go off for another week or two, and then you come back and they hit you off with a with a surprise number. So and, you, yeah, sorry. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was it. So yeah, once I went back, thought about it, and I accepted the crime. Boom, came back for my sentence, and they yeah. I found out it hit me with the with the with the worst case scenario. Right. Max. So let's take it, <clears throat> let's take it to being in prison. So you know, you you're you're now in prison. What was your first day like? And what was going through your mind I mean, then? My, my first day would have been when I got arrested. It's like when they put you in a cell. It's not prison, but it's still a cell. Mm -hmm. And I was pacing like back and forth, not knowing how to, bro, it was, it was just horrible. The first year, once you get sentenced, it's almost like a relief. It's mm -hmm. like, you know what you're facing now? You yeah. know what you gotta do. No tiptoeing, no hiding. Yeah. But before you get sentenced, it's, it's, that's the horrible stage because you don't know what you're facing. And at that point is when I used, I told you, I think I mentioned it to you once where I, um, I remember touching the back of my head once and it was smooth. I was like a newborn baby's um, butt, you know, to just smooth. I'm like, what's going on here? And um, I was told, um, you know, stress. Like, you stressed out. That's the reason why, you know, the hair on the back of your head is falling out, bro. And I was like, wow. I, and it's true when they say stress could, you know, show up on your skin and 
in jail, I witnessed that. Oh, I experienced that myself. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, first day in prison was horrible. Like, I mean, first year in prison is just because you, your body is getting adjusted to this new way of living. You know, I'm sure a, a lot of us experienced a little, a little snippet of it during the quarantine. <laughs> we we got to put on a little bit of a strict lockdown and you can see how it's affecting people. So imagine that times maybe a hundred. Yeah, yeah, of course. You, I mean, the, the quarantine is nothing really. You can still go to the shop. You can still make phone calls, speak to loads of people. Yeah, but the, the way it affected people, mm-hmm. you know, that just that little bit of restriction. Mm-hmm. It's not a little, it's, it is a lot of restriction. Let's just put it that way because society just literally stopped, right? Mm-hmm. You can see how it, it, it kind of, the mental health is just through the roof, bro. Mm-hmm. So imagine in prison, now it's almost times, like I said, it's, it's you you in a predicament where every move you make, someone is on your neck, you know? So you can't, time to eat, someone is on your neck. Child time, um, recreation. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, um, you know, uh, gym time. Let's get into that. Let's get into that. Okay, so you know, you now started. All right, and it's now prison life. Could you take me through what a a typical daily routine could look like? A daily routine. Um, for me, anyway, I'll use me because it would be fair, you know, based on. So for me, my daily routine. If I want to go at the beginning, before I even got into fitness, it was just living. It's like just being in the system, really. But once I got into, you know, living in prison, a regular daily routine is just like being out here. So you go to school. So I went and got my GED. Remember I told you I dropped out of high school. So I went back to high school. Then uh, I took on courses like graphic arts. And then you could take out a lot of rehabilitation sort of courses. So I did this thing called alternative to violence, um, beyond fear, which teaches you about sex and you know all these diseases and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that you, it's literally for you to educate yourself. And so I always say, you know what? I use prison as my, my schooling, like my university. <laughs> I went to uni, bro. So yeah, so in there, you know what? Like when I went in, I was a, I was still in that kind of, right, I'm here now. You know, I'm still in that gang mode. Right. So I have my family. I still have my little, I was still involved in that whole um, gang culture in the prison system because I still have my, my, my so-called brothers in there. So you remember, I'm from a certain area. And when we go in the system, we all meet. And it's crazy. When I went, to, when I went on, a, on a run and came back, it seemed like, each one of my friends were all in there. And I'm like, damn, what happened in, you know, in the space of the time I was gone, which is 14 months, and everybody is in the same predicament as me, which is in, incarcerated. So it shows you that, you know, the ratio of winning on the streets is really, really low, ain't it? We all lost. So we all ended up somewhere we didn't want to be, which is prison. So, yeah. 
Sorry, is it the same people that you was with at the time, or is it different people that you? Yeah, 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 yeah. At the beginning, at the beginning of my sentence. Yeah, yeah. Some of the people that I was involved in the gang culture with on the streets, mm-hmm. we all end up in. It's like most, even here, it happens. Anywhere where you know, if you're from London, for example, and you're from a certain area, they'll lock you up in that area. Right. So you bump into all of your, oh, what up? Yeah, you know, hey, you too. They got you too. <laughs> But that's exactly what happened to me when I went in. It's like, you know, a couple of my friends ran up to, to the door. Oh, snap, crook, they got you. <laughs> yeah, they wait, got wait. You. So what were they in for exactly? Because they were with you? Or no, 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 no. They, different crime. They, they, they have already committed their own crimes and they are in there for their own situations. Okay. It's just, you know, gang culture, bro. It's the daily lifestyle is crime, period. You okay. Know, selling drugs. Um, you know, whatever they doing, oh, we got beef, so shootouts all day long. So a lot of them were in there for murder. Man, you know, a lot of the same charges I was in for. Right. And, you know, robberies, murder, a lot of, most of them, as a matter of fact. So, mm-hmm. so when I came back, I was like, what happened in that year that, I, you know, it was a hot year, I guess, because everybody seemed to be doing time now. So you was in, and... So, so what time would you typically wake up? And then what would you do? And then what would you do? Wake up time is by like force. A daily ritual kind of thing. Yeah, it's by force. Wake up time usually is like um, the, the police will come around. Well, the COs, correctional officers will come around and wake you up. And your bed got to be made at a certain time. And if it's not made, you get three days loss of rent, meaning you don't, come, you don't get to come out of your cell for three days. So in jail, right. they got rules and regulation to keep you on, on that straight, you know, line and, you know, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, so a typical day is you wake up eight, eight o'clock, make your bed or whatever. The cops come around, they look around, okay, your bed is made. Today's satisfaction, it has to be made a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like, literally like you in the military. And then from then on, I do my, I get into my fitness regime, you know, push-ups, body weight, because I had a different way of training where I used to do 500 push-ups a day before I even get the chance to go to the gym. Because mm. in the space of a day, you probably will have like four to five hours of outdoor recreation where you're out of the cell. The rest of it, you are in a cell. And that depends on the prison that you're in because you could go in a prison where you lock down 20, um, 20, 22 hours of the day. So you only get two hours of recreation. So the prison I was in was, I was fortunate where, you know, I had more of, you know, moving around time, which is, we had, I think, in total six hours. So two, right. two hours in the morning, two hours in the um, in, um, afternoon, and another two hours in the evening. That's not too bad. It's not. If I'm honest. No, it's not. I, I always thought it was, yeah, around 22, 23 hours. Like, not you don't care about that. Nah. That happens for... So they put me in a predicament where I guess I was a well-behaved individual. Mm-hmm. But they'll put you in a predicament where it's not too, you know, um, um, on top of you, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, where you, you get a little bit more freedom in terms of moving around. Mm-hmm. And if you start misbehaving, now your, your privilege start getting downgraded where you get shipped to certain predicaments where... You know, and I heard about them, but I never, you know, fortunately, I never got to see some of those prisons where you lock down 22 hours a day. You only get to come out for two hours and that's it. The rest of it, you are in the cell with your cellmate. 
<laughs> oh, so you have you have a cellmate then? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like, do some people only have a cell by themselves, or are you always sharing with someone? Um, you most of the cells are um double cells, so most of the cells are double. Mm-hmm. The ones that I was in, anyways, is you always got a cellmate, so there's always somebody there. And you could end up with a nutcase. I had a couple of nutcases in my in my in, in my journey, and you know during the time in prison. Anyway, we'll get to that point. So yeah, being in a cell with people that talk to themselves, and you're like, "Can I go to sleep?" <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> you can hear that sound, laughing to themselves, like, "Wow, that's my cellmate." <laughs> How long had they been there for? Um, you know what? That's why I think I learned also in prison that certain people don't belong there. They literally belong in a mental institution. Right. They just put everybody in the same sort of block. Mm. And you can end up in a cell with a literally a nut case. And I had, but they're not in a nut case, I they're going to do something to you. They're just nut in terms of like some of them will probably do something to you, but some of them are just, they're harmless. They're just crazy. Right. In terms of it could be just mental health. They, they're not able to cope with the predicament and it's just got to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, prison will break you down if you don't occupy your mind. And, you know, like we, we have a saying, don't let the time do you, you do the time. Right. I like that. You know, because if, if you let the time do you, it will, it will do you, bro. <laughs> Literally, it will break you down because there's too many ways of getting broken down in there. Mm. So, did you make. Did mm-hmm. you make any any other friends in there? Is it yeah. how is it with making friends? Is you know it, what? it easy? I always say, and... nah, it's not. It's, it's pretty easy, but like you you know your surroundings. Like I said, I was involved in this whole gang culture, so my surroundings was those people at the beginning. Until I segregated myself at some point, I say, you know what? You know what? I don't need this no more. Like I I don't want to be, and and for my gang, in order to get out of it, I had you have to be either converted into Christianity or Muslim. And then in order not to be beat down and this 30 seconds beat down that they used to do to, to, for you to exit. Um, so for me, I say, yeah, I'm born again, Christian. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, I sort of used that, but I think that was maybe like year two or year, end of the year one into my sentence or something like that. But the reason why I've done, I made that move is that I realized I'm being with these people, this gang culture that I've brought from the streets to the prison system, the time that I have, I didn't want that problem. Because what happens is, let's say you, Roger Snobbs, you part of my family, you part of my gang, you come in with beef. Guess who beef it is? It's yours. My beef. Mm. Now we got beef. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) You you probably got two years to do. I got 20. Mm. Now we got beef. You about to go home. Maybe if you get an extra one year on top of your, your the, the time you coming in where you still going home. I can't afford no extra time. <laughs> I can't. Mm. So I started realizing, you know what? This gang shit is for the birds. You know what I mean? I started growing up behind bars. I said, you know what? <laughs> I messed up. Like I was. These people, they're not really with me. Like, they're against me. So every time something is wrong, they will come and get you. And how can you be my brother and you claim you love me, but you're trying to extend my sentence, bro? Like, you're not making sense. So, you know, you start growing up, you start seeing through these walls, and you're like, nah, 
you know what? I'm a born again Christian. And uh, I don't need y'all. Like, you know, and I didn't say it like that. You got to be polite because it's one of those. But yeah, so I just came out of them that way. And um, they sort of left me alone. But we were still friends. But from a distance. And I started surrounding myself with. It's funny, but there's a lot of people in there that genuinely made a mistake. Like they, you know, maybe drunk driving and hit someone and it's a bad one, but they're in there. You got lawyers, you know, and you get to meet these sort of characters and you start surrounding yourself with those sort of people because they, they make more sense when they talk like, yo, young man. And they're giving you advice, proper mentoring, you know? And I met one of them, Cuba. Cuban, you know, that, that hence why his name is um, Cuba. Mm. But he's a guy that, pff, that dude helped me a lot in terms of he taught me boxing and he just gave me a lot of tools and he, he just builds you up in terms of confidence. Yo, Crook, man, when you get out, man, you're going to be all right, bro. Like, you know, boom, boom, boom. You, you know, you, you're in good shape. You look good. You're going to get girls. <laughs> so all of these things start gashing you up. You start thinking, oh, really okay but he was good like in terms of you know because what made him who he is is the fact that he was so sick with his hands because i heard about him before i even met him this guy named cuba that's just not just knocking people out he don't take no bull crap and i'm like his name is ringing bell in the system and eventually i met him i'm like oh that's cuba and the way I got to meet him is one of my friends, Sleep, got it, you know, got into a little bit of confrontation with him. And he was, Sleep is my surrounding. I didn't know Cuba, right? I just knew this, this new guy has just moved into the block. And his, this guy named Cuba, everybody was talking about in the system. He's really good in boxing and he was an ex-pro or whatever. And um, Sleep is like 300 pound giant, bro. It's like 6'4". He lived for, bro, this dude was doing three plates on show the press. <laughs> so, but in jail, I realized, I mean, what, what, this is why I started learning about the art of boxing versus, you know, just muscle bound and all of that stuff. You know what I mean? So sleep was a bully, right? And bullies always, sometimes you're going to fall into the wrong person, especially in prison because you're around a lot of testosterone. <laughs> and eventually you just bump into the wrong one because you want to continue that lifestyle just gambling and not wanting to pay certain characters and he always used to do it to these italian sort of people and um and cuba when he first moved on the block he used to hang around the italians <laughs> and so i remember this is the story that this, this i have to tell this story because it's a it's a really good one right so cuba had a table that 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 um it's like a gambling table right so everybody is always used to claim tables oh this is our table this is the poker table this is the chessboard table. In jail, again, it's all about testosterone and ownership and, you know. So you got a certain characters that play poker all the time on certain tables. And Cuba and his team happen to be sitting on our table. And this bully, Sleep, comes in. You know, His name was Sleep. That's just a nickname. Not, he's not sleeping. This is a nickname, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So he comes in. This is the guy that I said, muscle bound, 300. And... At that time, I was in the day room, but I heard the story, what happened and what led to him being brutalized down the line, which I'll get to, right? So Sleep came to came down and it was like, yo, yo, fellas, this is this is our um, um, poker table. You guys can't be on there. And Cuba was new on the block, but because of 
he's confident and he's not one of those ones you could just talk to like that. So from what I heard Cuba said, this is state property. So it doesn't belong to you. When we finish with the table, you can have it back. Oh, this bully, they just, that didn't sit well with him, right? So based on what I heard, he, um, he started approaching Cuba, what? And Cuba had a chain around his neck. So calmly took the chain from his neck, put it down and got into his little boxing stands. And when the dude got closer, he didn't talk. He just let his hands go. And I think on that night that the, the situation happened, he must have took my boy's heart like sleep because sleep didn't want to fight that night. He said he kept whispering, let's go downstairs. Right. And Cuba said, oh, you wanted to make noise in front of all these people. No, let's fight right here so I could beat you in front of all your friends, right? And he's talking like that to this big giant. And if you see Cuba, Cuba's like a water weight. That's, that's, what, that's the weight that he used to fight under. So he's like 150, which is like maybe, I don't know, in, in pounds, I mean, in um, kilos, maybe. Kilos. Oh, man. I... Well, 60 kg, 80 kg, less than, not 80, because that's you. But... Um, yeah, but he's pretty small, water weight. Just think about it, like Mayweather size. Mm-hmm. Only against someone that's like, but that from then on, I realized technic- like technicality is, you know, I always all of this muscle and, argh, you know, all of this stuff. He nipped that in the bud. And that's when I say, this dude, I want to learn, you know, I want to learn whatever he knows. And what made me say I wanted to learn is that, that second beatdown he gave on um, sleep. So sleep took that one, two, it didn't go, it didn't escalate from that. But I remember that night because I was there. If my cell is here, Cuba cell is there so I could see his cell. And I remember sleep came in and, you know, apologizing to him saying, you know, I should not come out of my mouth like this, blah, 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 blah. We're going to nip it in the bud. Boom. So Cuba, I guess he was, he thought he was over. Meanwhile, this dude sleep, grimy dude was plotting on him. Long story short, two weeks later, he tried him. And I remember that I'm, I was sleeping that morning, but I know I woke up because it was a big boom in front of my cell. Is that you, right? It was a big boom in front of my cell. And that's what woke me up. And I was like, what's that? So when I came out, I was scuffle on the floor, but the fight has already, it's, it, that was the finishing part of the fight. So I, I missed the main thing, right? And it was sleep and Cuba again. I'm like, oh, snap. And what happened is I, I probably was guilty of it too. I didn't know Cuba at that time, remember. I knew him, but I didn't know him like friends with him. So we used to gamble, me, sleep, and a couple of friends, and we always used to egg him on, bro. Because he's our friend. And I'm like, bro, you going to let that little dude hit you like that and don't do nothing about it? <laughs> and I kept, people kept hitting him with it. You going to do this? So... Week one, we kept hearing it. Week two, now he wants to do something about it. <laughs> After he went back and apologized and all that, he just, we kept nagging him about it, right? <laughs> you want to let that little dude do this to you? Without? Oh, why did we do that? Bro, when Cuba was finished with this dude, you know when that happens, when a fight happens in prison, and it gets loud like this. Usually it's like seals running from everywhere because they are aware of it and they come in and they break up the fight and they lead you to the segregation. I'm sure you heard of the hole. Oh, yeah, I've heard of the hole. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's usually a process. So the fight is going on. My boy comes in. 
I mean, the seals come in, boom, boom, boom. But why do you leave them off? Most of the people, you know, in prison, it's like, bro, it's like the internet. Pew! As soon as something happened, the whole population just all of a sudden know. But by the time the population hear about it, it's like the story has been twisted so many times. <laughs> he got hit in the face by, with a baseball bat. <laughs> he got jumped by 30 people. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, but the, the more the story is people thought he got jumped. But he was that, 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 because his face was that messed up, right? But he assaulted by one person. And from that on, I said, bro, whatever you know about boxing, I want to learn. And that's when I started saying, you know, um, Cuba, I want to learn boxing. And I started training with him. You know, my boy got his ass whipped, but I want to learn from the guy that whooped his ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like about him? Because he was humble. Mm. He's not the guy that go look for the problem. But when he came, he was never letting it go. It was, you could try to calm him down. He's like, Cuba, just let it go, bro. Once you violate him, oh, it's like something is turned on and you cannot switch it off. No matter what you do, calm down. He'll, just let me be until he get it off his chest, which is boom. You know, and that's just him. But his background, he was a, um, like, um, he came from this whole Cuban Castro era. His father and migrated to the States. He was like, I think, five years old or something. And then he got into the Boston life. And he ended up in prison for the same crime that I was in for, funny enough. Mm. So we all used to say, um, birds, birds like the feather flocks together. Is, yeah. that, is that the same? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we all got caught up in this silly stuff. What he came in for, you could almost say it was justifiable because it was some scumbag that shot up his house and they, he retaliated. Right. And uh, the rest of his history, he ended up in prison for it. Mm. And um, but did yeah, any of his family members get get killed? You said well, his his house got shot up. His shop, shop, not house. My bad, shop. Um, his father used to own a bodega. Bodega is like a um, you know, um, what we got it over here is Seven Eleven, not Seven Eleven. You know, um, license. Yeah, no. off license. Okay. Yeah, his father used to own one of these sort of corner shops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, but in America. It seemed like um, the corner shop areas where drug dealers always used to choose us. You know, we always kind of, it's just black, it's blick. <laughs> take over the block. And, um, but Cuba, he always used to try to clear people from around his block. Like, no, you can't hang around my father's shop. Mm-hmm. He's a young athlete. And so he's always used to go in there, clear the block. And one of them bravely came back and shot up his father's shop. Okay. And that got escalated to something different. And his father is from Castro era. He's gone to war and done all of this back in those days. So you've messing with the wrong tree. These dudes didn't, they wasn't going to let it go like that. Yeah. And he ended up where some, the, the person I did it ended up being, he got killed basically. Mm. Okay. So um, moving on from that, I just want to know, okay, so you're in, you're in prison. Um, what was the food like? Bro. I know that <laughs> you mentioned about the chicken, which is pretty funny. I mean, once I moved to the States, I mean, the States, um, I think because of the, the population, they, they don't stand up for certain things. So, I mean, it was a be- bit better in terms of nutrition. Right. Um, so, but 
it wasn't nothing I'll call home for, but nutrition is you get three square meals, so breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And your breakfast is very early in the morning. So if you miss it, that's on you. So your breakfast usually is around 6 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. because they got to feed 3,000 and they're not bringing everybody in at the same time. So it's just block by block. Mm-hmm. So your block could be on one month, got to get up at 5 a.m. And then, you know, it kind of rotates. Right. And on your lunch sometimes falls at 10 a.m. So your breakfast is at 5, lunch is at 10 a.m. sometimes, 10, oh, 11. Again, they got to feed the whole population. So they start early. So you could fall under the 10 a.m. lunch. So you better have people that love you, bro. Or you better have a hustle. Or you will be a hungry dude in there. You know, because imagine the gaps. And then your last meal will be like at four. Yeah, dinner starts around four. So four all the way up. And the last dinner will be maybe like at 6.30-ish. So in a nutshell, it's um, 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 three meals. And then you have access to commissary, which is where you could go and spend money for like food, things that you kind of could buy from um, the commissary. You don't go to the shop yourself. You just, there's a list that come to you. Mm-hmm. that you fill out for things you want like toothpaste you know and again that's what i said okay. what's the allowance what's the allowance that you get uh, a week and um i'm sure you get people who send money in as well is that right yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like your family members could send you um, um um money but the money goes you don't see the money it goes into a, an account obviously. Yeah. how does that all work oh you get like a slip so they'll call you. It's like a mail. You get a mail call. Boom. Mr. Twan, you got mail. You're like, wow, is that money? Yeah. You open it. It could be $50, $100. So you know this is in your account. So whenever you go into commissary, you, you know, you can spend either 50 or 100 or whatever. But you you kind of, you're trying to, that $100 could last you for two months. Right. Oh, you stress that out because you got the three mail. And the rest is like oodles, you know, those um, ramen noodles. You know the ramen noodles, right? No. You don't know the ramen? Ramen noodles. Just noodles? Yeah, the soup package. The ones that cost like, you know, those little little noodles that you just put All in. Oh, right. Food. Just chuck in the water. Yeah, that costs like maybe 15p or something like that. So, yeah. Then you have access to 24 pack of those. And <laughs> you buy 24 pack of those. You got access to like, you know, your your crisps. So you stock up on crisps. You got Slim Jims. I don't know, you know, you know about Slim Jims? No. It's like this um, beef thing that it's dry beef. Like you kind of eat it dry. But oh, it's, jerky, beef jerky. Yeah, we have beef jerky too, but it's, Slim Jim is in our same sort of family. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have the Slim Jim and then, yeah, so yeah, this is a lot of things you could buy from the commissary to sort of substitute for the things you need to for your games, you know. If you want to uh-huh. So and then we have access to tuna. So yeah, it's a lot of things you you know commissary was providing was keeping you on your um, survival mode because the prison food, it's a hit and miss. Certain days are good, certain days is just horrible. Mm. They had a meat called a mystery meat till today. I've Googled it up. I can't find it online. <laughs> mystery. mystery meat, bro. I ate some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. Till today, I'm like, what is this mystery meat? I've Googled it up since I've got, got out. I'm like, well, what? 
What was in the mystery meat? <laughs> you know? I remember listening to a podcast one time and there was, um, there was a guy on the podcast and he said he, a van passed him, drove past him and on the van, it said grade D meat Ooh. or prison and schools. Grade D meat. For prison and schools. So yeah. they feed they in prison is the same thing they feed in. So they prepare them kids in schools for prison. Wow. Mm. Mm. I mean, to, to, to even know what grade D is, that's, that, I've no idea, but I'm sure it's not good. It's not. And, and, and to think that, uh, you know, that an, another human being deserves less nutrition, you know, it's, I mean, damn. Can't sit too well with you, would it? Mm, mm, no, not at and, all, man. And it's crazy that you got people in the society that really do think like that to, to come up with these grades. Oh, this one is for that. Grade B will be for this person and grade A is, is, is for the utmost. I mean, That's, how do they work that out? That's, I mean, you know, but anyways. Exactly. Maybe it's meat that was going to be thrown away and they're like, do you know what? Let's use it somewhere. Yeah. Um, Inmates, um, do, do, do many people get killed in prison? I didn't witness that, you know, during my time, my, my, I, you know, the time that I, I was in there, I didn't witness no killings, but it was a lot of fights. Was, was anyone like really severely wounded, like stabbed or anything like that? Or was it just- Yeah, I, I witnessed the wildest fight I saw. It wasn't even with a shank, neither. It was, these people were stabbing each other with a pen. <laughs> wow. Um, coming out of the cell, dude, these two Jamaican brothers just came out of the cell fighting. All I saw was just someone came out of there <laughs> screaming, Lord, Lord, and they just, they just started swinging. And they both were going at each other with a, like the tip of a sharp pen. I'm sure it hurts. It wasn't yeah. going to cause no, you know, like damage where you're going to die from it. But, mate, they were literally going for each other. Bah! That was one take it. I'm like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. Whatever was going on inside of the cell must have been really intense for them to want to go at, at each other like this. But um, so that's one. And the worst one I saw was, well, I didn't see it, but I heard it all throughout the night. Is when I was in Felton, where this dude I think came in for whatever crime, and the the, the crime that he myself came in didn't sit too well with the people that he was in the cell with. Right. And the whole night, bro, I just kept hearing. And they try to tell this dude to kill himself, like hang yourself. Wow. And you, and you can hear him saying, hey, put the put the hang yourself. The next morning, bro, they, they had to put a yellow tape around that place. And they came and removed those people out of there. Obviously, they they beat the living crap out of this dude the whole night. I don't know what he was in there for. He must wow. have been. And usually it's um. But then the police would not make that mistake to put a child molester in a cell with a bunch of people like that because those people, they, they, they don't do time smoothly. Let's just say it that way. Okay, so... so when you hear things like that, it's either three things. Rape, child molester, snitch. Right, okay. Those three things are what will get you severely hurt behind bars. How 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 do people find out if you're a snitch though? Like sometimes snitches is, is, is you can look at someone and like that dude will tell. <laughs> <laughs> you just could 
Because first of all, they look like they don't belong in the system. Because mm-hmm. the way they move, they're scared, they're timid. When they move, they're like, even when they talk, it's like, hi, hi, guys. How you doing, guys? <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, and it was one guy in particular, too. He was, and then the way the system is set up in America nowadays, if you put your hands on someone just because they're in, in, in the prison for rape or you get an outside charge. So whatever outside. outside charge is, is if it's an assault, if assault carries 20, that's what you're facing. Right. Right. So if you've come in with 20 already, the last thing you want is outside charge on top of that. Oh, shit. Because, you, you, bro, you got people that went in with three years and turned turn, turn into life in prison. Wow. Because of the decisions they made while they were in prison. Oh, this dude did this, so I gotta stab him up. This dude did this, so I gotta. And it's it's like you want to live this gangster. I'm a gangster. Oh, guess what? The system knows how to control gangsters. <laughs> they don't let you out. You stay in there. And as a matter of fact, your prison system start upgrading because they got levels for you. They got level four, then they got a level five facility where it's almost inhumane. You know. I'm, Knock on wood, I've never seen none of the, those places, but I was working in them. So, because if you're in level five facilities, the inmates in there, they can't, there's no movement. So there's no work for them. So people from the outside got to come into this level five facility to clean up and do all the prison things that, you know, we get paid 50p an hour for or 25p an hour for. Right. <laughs> you know, to maintain the cleanliness of the prison. Because if they had to hire outsiders, real outsiders come do it, they have to pay real salaries. But this is why they say slavery still exists within the system. Because we work literally for nothing. Wow. Wow. And so, yeah, so those that kind of work, if you don't have family helping you out in terms of sending you money to, to, to help you do your time, you know, buying you food and things that you need to survive in there. It could get really, you know, dark in there for you, man. You know? Did you have much support yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I was blessed, man. Like, my family had my back from day one. Right. Because they know my character is not what went in there. They know, like me, I know. If you know me, you know that person I went in there, that's not me. That's someone I was just trying to fit in into some, some, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. but once i found myself in there i was like what the hell was i thinking these dudes was my people's what the really (laughs) no ambition yeah what about recreation uh you mentioned that uh you guys well before that not not now but um when we had a chat before you mentioned that you guys would be gambling uh with things like toothpaste yeah 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 oh yeah yeah Play, was it? Was it with chess? A game of chess? So you began with. In, when I came in, that's how I got sucked in to the gambling world, right? So, I was so infatuated, want to learn how to play chess. And the guy that taught me how to play chess used to always hustle me like a dollar a game, fifty p a game, I'm mean, fifty cent a game. Mm. And I'll sit there, and because we got six hours in the day to play, that six hours I'm in there learning how to play chess with this dude. So he's hustling me. So you could go back and forth to your commissary that your mom or your brother or someone I've sent you money 
digging into it because we don't pay with cash. We, you know, if you gambling, you're gonna pay with the things that you buy with cat with, with, with the money, which is you never get to see the money. First of all, like I said, mm. so you only get to order the stuff you need, and the police will bring that to you. And so that's your commodity now. That's what you use to trade, right? So if I'm gambling, I lost two dollars. We know toothpaste costs two forty five. <laughs> so that goes into, you know, so you look at that toothpaste, like, but you know, in jail, things become picky. We got bad commodity and good commodities. <laughs> so good commodities, things like toothpaste, shampoo, um, deodorant, food. Bad commodity is like um, suits, like udu, udu, and you know, those 50, 50, 15 piece suits. There's a lot of bad things that you could just. <laughs> You can throw out someone when you're gambling mm. and they, they will complain about, oh, I don't want this. I want, I want that. And, you know, because at the beginning I was involved in gangs, I got into a lot of little, you know, scuffles where people refuse what I was paying them. And I'm like, you know what? If you don't want it, you're not going to get paid. And now we'll go into this, this whole gang back and forth. Yo, your people don't want to pay my people. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it's this this whole thing is it's it's a movie, bro. It's it's literally like a movie. But um, so yeah, the gambling lifestyle that was that was that. Um, so that's how you pass time. So for me, I want to learn how to play chess. Um, I used to play this game called Spades a lot. So Spades is you play with you know you and your partner versus him and his partner, and it's about counting. It's just it's it's again strategic game. And I realized in prison, anything that has to do with strategic thinking, I was drawn into it. I wanted to learn it. And I became a beast at it. It's like the chess, the guy that taught me how to play. You know, like I think I mentioned to you before that it's like either his, he gets stuck at a certain thinking capability or whatever, and they don't grow from that. But I started being them. And in prison, you know, we talk shit to one another. So imagine... I'm talking, you know, shit to this dude that taught me how. To, yeah, is that what? I'm being my teacher? <laughs> Word? <laughs> oh, bro. I mean, I mean, that's the joy of, um, you know, learning something new and then putting into practice. And then eventually I became that guy that when you said chess, my name came up. Oh, you got to play my boy Crook. Chess? You got to play my boy Crook. <laughs> you know, you guys got to learn. And there's so many people in there that, bro, man, I, I realize it's some thinkers behind bars that wasted their talent based on just chasing the wrong games. Because, man, I met some geniuses in there, bro. People that make art look like it's jumping out of a freak. Hey. <laughs> and, you know, people that fix things out of nothing. Like, wow, how did you fix this radio, bro? <laughs> Where's the tools? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> How? You know, and people, bro, I've met some geniuses behind bars. That's why I said, you know what? Till I went in, I probably would have painted everybody with the same brush. They are all scumbags. But you realize in there that people make genuine mistakes. That mistake can happen to any of us. You go out drinking once, someone talks shit to you, boom, head bump on the wall, gone. You going to jail for manslaughter, bro. They're not going to be like, oh, you know what? Roger Smart didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. You going in. So what, we're going to press you with a scumbag brush? So you start realizing in there that, yes, there are some pieces of shit in there. 
facts. You got serial killers, you see them. You got people that, you know, do harm to children, harm women. You meet people that kill their wives. You so you see those characters in there. Then you got people that, you know, they messed up. Like, wow, I had a drunken night and I did this. Oh, I did this. And, and you got people that are just hustling, trying to make a living. So there are so many different characters and it's about who you attach yourself with. And like I said, with me at the beginning, I was in the whole gang culture and eventually I started pulling away from it. And then I, you know, sort of surrounding myself. And my team was only like five of us, but we was all on the same path. When I get out, I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna, and there's always something positive, like business, this, that. Then also, you know, combining that with reading and your mind start changing and exercising, building discipline. Bro, I became this guy that people, you know, yo, crook, yo, crook. I said, wow. <laughs> Over the years, you know, you grow up behind bars and you stop, you know, um, you grow into yourself. Because remember, I went in as a teenager. I didn't get the chance to grow up out here. Mm. So I grew up into myself. And, and, you know, from the age of 19 by the age of 25, I have been training for, what, six years or something? Right? So I've developed this physique that people coming in and looking at me like, yo, how did you get like this? Hey, how did you get like this? I'm like, oh, I got something. These people want to get what I got. <laughs> okay. So now you start thinking, when I get out, this is the lane I'm taking. Mm, mm. You know, it's self. I don't have to rely on, please give me a job. Because that's one thing I saw a lot of my peers. Like, imagine I had 20, so I had time to see the wrongs people do and why does this dude keep coming back in? Oh, it's hard out there. Now, bro, it's hard in here. <laughs> you mean it's hard out there? It's hard in here. Here, you what the fuck you mean? You're not making sense, bro. Talk to me. Like, what is going on? Oh, man, I try. I've been trying to get a job. I've, you know, everywhere I go, it's this. And uh, my, my ex-convict, they don't want to hire ex-cons. And so I'm hearing all of this. And I know soon enough, I'm going to be in the same predicament. So I always say, you know what? Preparation is key. And I think I've done that really like well for myself in terms of I was mentally prepared that I was not going to come out here and look for a job. Not because I don't want to work, but from then me, me going in, that's why I say, you know, jail was um like my university. Rich dad, poor dad, I read it. In 20, 20, 20, I remember, what was the word? Um, 20 something of laws. Um, it's a lot of books that I was mm. just diving into. Um, the Art of War, love these, you know, all of these that I dove into. And that taught me, oh, okay, work smart, not hard. <laughs> you know, my mom's like, work, go to school, get a good job. <laughs> no, go to school, create jobs. That's what was supposed to be thought, you know, this is what we, we was meant to learn that, but no one teaches these things, just go to school and get a good job. Mm. But in jail, I started learning, no, create jobs. Come up with something that will create jobs. So how do you do that? So like I said, um, fitness was like my calling because people just was, I don't know, I built some some extraordinary physique, you know? Yeah, you did, bro. <laughs> so, so, um, these cats just wanted some of these juice. They're like, how did you get like this, bro? And, you know, how did you get like this? So it's like, for me, it was just the dedication. I had a vision that I wanted a certain physique and I worked towards that physique. 
And every day, like I said, no matter what I was doing, I did my 500 push-ups. Then I did my little 500 um, ab workout, whatever. So that was just my little daily routine, my first thing in the morning. And then we have weight groups later. But the weight group, you only get 45 minutes. Hence why I was doing so much on the side just to, you know, (laughs) so, um, yeah, man. And then, you know, you got your basketball, so which I was also always active. So I just kept busy during my time. I kept the mind busy. I kept, you know, physically busy. And um, I entertained a couple of female CEOs, you know? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. What do you call them? CEOs? Co- yeah, correctional officers. Correctional officers. That's what, what, I think, yeah. what was it like dealing with correctional officers? Did, were there any that were maybe a bit corrupt? Oh, a lot. <laughs> right. Okay. So, yeah. What was it There's like? A lot of, with them, man? What, 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 what level? What level of corruption? Well, they, they like to make extra money. Okay. And they know that in prison they could bring in something that costs ten pounds on the streets, but in prison that thing is worth hundred pounds or one hundred and fifty or two hundred. So it's very tempting. If someone says, "Yo, bring me some wheat," I'll give you. 100 pounds or 200 pounds or bring me an ounce i'll give you three thousand pounds how how does that money get to the uh um the ceo CEO, that's just outside business so for example i'll call you you on the outside and say yo i got this correct this this friend of mine he's going you're gonna do this do that that send the money to this person blah 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 so in a nutshell it's just all outside contacts all right what I want to ask as well is, aren't, aren't calls recorded or anything? Isn't, or is it all spoken? Yeah, you are recorded, but there's ways around that. Right. <laughs> so the, as soon as you pick up the phone, you your voice is definitely recorded. Yeah, yeah. But there's things that you will say to your per, your, 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 your person on the outside, and you, you're not going to say, yo, COD said, um. We'll meet you here and exchange cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a way how people break down and you know, but the money used to get to the right places, just put it that way, because there was a lot of drugs in the system, bro. And they were getting in somehow. Let me ask, how how can, all right, let's say weed gets in there. How can you smoke weed discreetly? Let me, this is a very good question. You know what? I was a marijuana indulging myself back then. (laughs) (laughs) Until I got one dirty urine and I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let this this thing mess up with my time. So I quit. Cold turkey in there, right? But I got one dirty urine before that happened, right? But the way we used to do it is, we used to, for me, I had a cellmate. I used to get it, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't smoke. He just wanted to make the money. And I was in the system long enough. And I knew that if you brought me a, a 10 pound bag, I'm, I can make you a hundred pounds easily, but then I'll keep the rest for myself. And every night I used to, what I used to do is I used to block, I'll block all the doors. So we use, bro, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a process. Just put it that way. It's a long process. <laughs> Sounds like so, commitment. Yes. So first I have to wet the towel. I have a towel that I need to wet. Then I'll roll the towel. Then I'll shove it under the door just to block every, any little, little crack that the smoke could leak under, 
I got to make sure that part is sealed up. And then there is a side of the wall, I mean, the side of the door that she also got to seal up. So you got to use sheets and just keep doing this process. And then once she's satisfied that everything is sort of sealed off, there's one last one, which is the ventilation. Boom, the ventilation, anything that goes, it just goes through the whole population. So they coming straight to your cell and they're shaking you down, basically. Shaking you down, meaning they're going to tear that place apart until they find what they're looking for. Mm. You feel me? And because they know it's coming from here. And then they will lock you up in a segregation where you have to, you know, piss in a cup and then wait till they get the results before you can go back in the block. And if the results come back negative, you know you're not going back to the block. You're going straight to the hole, pal. <laughs> so it's one of those ones, right? And uh, I did experience, I did, I, you know, I did get that, like I said, that dirty urine one time. Mm-hmm. And I had to go pay the piper for it. So you went in the hole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the experience like being in the hole? Oh, it's ugly, bro. It's, 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 um, it's a place where you don't want to be, obviously. And that's why it's there. It's a punishment sort of place. So in a hole, you lock down 24 hours a day. So oh, for how long? For the whole day. Basically, you don't come out. You, for a day. you come out. I think you, you get like 30 minutes to go take a shower or something like that. That's about it. And then you right back in the cell. And it's, is it is it dark? Is it what what's it what does it look yeah, like? Yeah, it's kind of gloomy because it's, it's the hole is gloomy. You got there's barely sunlight coming in. Mm-hmm. You don't get to look outside like if you're in a regular cell, you, you could see out you know not outside outside, but like you could see the sun coming into your cell. Mm. But in a hole, now nah, that don't exist. You you kind of like in a gloomy space. I've been in the hole a couple of times. The worst one was the one in England. Right. Yeah, the England one because. At 6 a.m., I think, they'll come in and they'll come and take the bed. Take from, the bed. Yeah, they'll take your bed from you at 6 a.m. So basically, you just got a table to sit on for the whole day. You can't sleep. You can't lay down and relax. <laughs> so that was the worst one. I was in there for a fight seven days because I got into a fight or something like that. And yeah, that one was the worst one, bro. They'll come in, like I said, uh, 6 a.m. The seals will come in. Wake up, time. Fold up your bed. Then you got to fold your bed up. Then they'll come and snap that bed, probably leave it in front of the cell or something. And then for the whole day, you're just sitting around like a duck. Might get a book to read. That's about it, you know. They give you a book. Yeah, yeah. You get books that come around. They go around with a book thing. And then, yeah, you get to do your read on. and um, Get your read on. Get a couple of push-ups in. (laughs) <laughs> and that's your day for the segregation time and you wait till eight o'clock um when they bring you a bed your bed back again at eight and then you get to lay down <sighs> i get to lay down now you know i so guess horrible. to get you appreciate basic stuff basic stuff yeah so it's almost like they're trying to mentally break you down slowly but jail could go two ways you could definitely get broken down or you could really like just strengthening you bro i, w- I want to get into that i want to get into that but uh, before we get into that i want to ask um um right now do you do you hang out with ex-convicts at all maybe like i don't hang out with ex-convicts but i you know have people that have been to prison before around me that not hanging around per se but we i'm i might 
help somebody that I've been in that predicament before, you know, based on being referred to me, you know, working on the business that I'm, you know, you already know MEM, that's what we do. We help ex-offenders. So some of them I've become friends with because they can identify with my story. And, you know, I'm trying to help them out, come out of this, this place. And so they're looking at me as their role model. Mm-hmm. You know? So And we develop some kind of friendship through that. So a couple of them I have around me, but it's all mo- mostly me trying to get them out of this thinking of there is no other way of um, trying to make it or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I, w- I want to ask, so do you think that most people who come out um, do well or struggle? Well, like, what's what's your thoughts on like leaving prison, how do people normally do? Uh, do they come out as a better person or worse, would you say? I'll say the way the system is set up, it's set up for you to fail, really. Right. It's not set up for you to be rehabilitated, like they say. Because when you come out, you are getting resentenced by society. Right. Because if you're not getting resentenced by society, they shouldn't have on a paper when you're going to work. Have you been to prison before? Because if I have been to prison before, I'm trying to change my life. Hands why I'm coming to look for a job. Duh. But you've put this block on me where I'm blacklisted. So every time you see that I've been in prison before, you're going to say, oh, I don't want you. I don't want you. So you, I'm set up to fail, really, like unless you start thinking outside of the box, like what I, I said to myself, there is no way in hell. I'm going to do all this time and come and beg somebody for a job, bro. I can't, you know, I couldn't do all that time and just cut and, and become this beggar in society. I need a job, please. You know, I need it. No, because I know what they're gonna think of me. The moment I put in, yes, I've been in prison before. They're just going to think the lowest of me and I'm just going to be this person they don't even respect without even knowing me. <laughs> so I already knew this and I say, you know what, let me just find a way where I'm going to be fending for myself when I get out, which is, I thought, no, no, you know, I'm blessed to, you know, falling into fitness because it gives you that empowerment where you don't need to go look for someone and beg somebody for a job because people come into you because you got something they want. Mm. You become a key person in your own field. You're not a follower no more. You know, now you got something like, like, you know, people, I'm sure you get bombarded. Like, Raj, how do you get your deals like this? <laughs> Raj, how? that's value. That's something that you could get paid for. That's a business that you could start. And once you recognize that, you know, you have a chance to, you know, survive once you get out. And that's why I recognized when I was in there, because I used to get bombarded from the COs coming to me saying, Mr. Twan, what do you do? From the inmates coming in saying, Miss Crook, what do you do? How do I get like this? And I'm like, okay. So, you know, years out of line, you come out. And how did I meet you? The same way how, put it this way, like, the way I used to live in prison, in terms of once I flipped my thing around, like I said, I became a person that it's like people used to follow what I was doing in terms of they'd be like, yo, Crook, what are we doing today? I'm like, we doing chess. And then it, get to, it got to a point where I didn't have to run to go grab my own waist no more. People used to, Crook said, we doing chess today. <laughs> and I just stroll in. 
I've done my job, bro. I've been in since I was 19. Y'all just coming in now. <laughs> I'm the OG of this place. Right. <laughs> no, I got, I, you know, earned my little strikes. The six pack is there. The chest is there. We here now. So now you want what I got. The same way when I came in, it was an OG that I looked up to. I wanted what. So he took me under his wing. And the same thing. Yo, you could do your own blood. You could do it. And they used to put two plates on. I could barely do one plate and 10. Mm-hmm. And they just, I blow that and they will have these two fingers on and I giving me this confidence and making me think I'm doing it myself. And all of this thing was helping me down the line. I was like, okay. So now I got to a point where I was doing the same thing for people where they come in and look up to me. I'm like, yeah, of course. So I always used to build a team of five people. And in my five team, we do super set sort of workouts. So we might split team two, three over here and three over here. We only got 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. No time for talking. On my team, we ain't we we talk after. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, so you know, bro, people <laughs> move in my team, bro, because I took it serious. I was when I trained, I visualized myself being free. And this is my only way of surviving when I get out. So it was serious to me. So if you're coming in thinking, oh, I can't wait to get out to get some girls with this, bro, this is money for me. The girls is gonna come in regardless. This is money to me, right? But most people, when they train in prison, their mindset was in business. It was more, I'm going to get mad girls when I get out. <laughs> That's it. Like, really? Is that it? <laughs> crazy. It's crazy how pe- like guys are very motivated by it. You know, they see a body That's... like that, and that's all they're thinking about. When a body it? like that. And, you know, I get people like message me like saying, oh, you must get a ton of girls because of the way you look. I'm like, well, what makes you think that's my motive? Like, I'm doing this for me. For me. <laughs> and, and for me, you know, in there I realized quickly, yes, you get, once you start getting it, you know, you, it's all cosmetics at the beginning. You want to gain this, you know, you want to look a certain way. So it's all cosmetics gains at the beginning. And then eventually it gets a bit deeper than that. Like now what's next? How do I stay into this journey? Cause now I got the six pack, I got the, you know, the there now. So now how, cause there's a lot of people that stop, started in prison and they stop. And they always just try to impose their stuff on me. Like, oh bro, trust me, you're going to get bored of it. Right. But maybe you wasn't visualizing yourself being free. Yeah, yeah. Cause you're not, you're thinking just in, in this little box you're in right now. You're not thinking, wow, when I get out, I could do this with this, you know, you're not thinking like that. So me, I'm thinking, you know what, when I get out, I could be a PT. Everybody's telling me I should get into modeling. I could do that. I could even start a business in this, you know? Hmm. So that's my inspiration when I'm lifting. I'm mm-hmm. visualizing myself being free. And that's what helped me stay in it for so long. Because I could see that it's something that people want based on the you know inquiries I was getting. CEOs coming to me saying, can you put a workout plan for me? I'm like, really, dog? What am I getting for that? You know? Let's 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 bring it back to uh, like the whole rehabilitation thing. What you I think you'd mentioned it a bit earlier, and I, I wanted I want to know like do you feel that the um, the the criminal justice system yeah. um, for ex convicts uh, is not good? Like to help people reunite back in society. There's nothing set up. There's no like I was told that if someone has come out of prison, then it will be kind of relatively easy for them to get a home. Is that right? Well, I don't know. They could just go to. That could be here, but in America, 
where I was at is nowhere near that. Okay. So, all right, you're out in the street, then what? Let's say you don't have family. In America or here? Here, I... Let's say, okay, so you was in the States, so... Yeah, yeah, so I did that time in the States, yeah. So in the States, it's it's bad, but if you bring it here, here, they do have a lot of support in terms of someone coming out of jail, like you said. Mm. It will give you a place to stay. You get, like, some kind of housing where in the States, you are on your own from day one. I mean, they'll put you in a halfway house, which is... Halfway house is um it's it's a place where it's it's almost like being locked up still because you're still in the system, but you you kind of get to go on the outside world to go look for work and blah 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 and then you come back to the halfway house, so that's the closest thing of them housing you really, in terms of the state housing you, and once you leave the half halfway house, you are on your own basically, and the halfway house is it's more it's like a pre-release place. So before, right. let's say, like, if I would have stayed in the States, I would have went through the whole process because I got deported over here. I didn't go through this level two and halfway house before you go home mm-hmm. process. So the halfway house is basically set up for you to get ready for the streets. And that's mm-hmm. all it is, yeah. Okay. So uh, for me, I was just, I just did the time <clears throat> straight to society. No easing you into nothing. <laughs> straight in. <laughs> Isn't there like a some sort of probation officer or something like that? For me? Like, you know, when you... Isn't that what they call it? I mean, I'm, I'm no... Parole, parole, for me, it, it depends on what you are. So if you go in and you got a parole sort of... Um, um, for me, it was parole. So I had like, I think, the time that I got out, I had a few more, maybe months of parole left. It right. could have been, yeah, something like that. So, so I had okay. five years of parole left, sorry. What, what, is, what, is, what is a parole officer? Um, I never got to meet one, but a parole officer is a person I literally, um, um, somebody that you report to on a daily basis, basically. That's it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's how I understand it. Yeah. Hey, let me take a quick break real quick. I'm going to use the bathroom and come right back. Go for it, bro. <laughs> Thank you, boss. <laughs> okay. I'm going to. Bring it back. So I've I've literally got about um, I think just like one question or maybe a, a couple of questions. Um, uh, 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 um, if you mm. had the power to make some changes in the criminal, you know, the justice system to help uh, rehabilitate people, mm. what things would you incorporate? So me being in there, right, I genuinely saw people that literally did want to change. But I always was shocked to see those people right back in the system. Like I said, I was in there for long enough to see people doing this in and out sort of. And I'm always used to asking the question, like, what is it? Like, wow, like, why is it? You've been in here with me. You was one of the good guys I used to hang around with. And you always used to speak positive about when you get out, this is it. You ain't never coming out. You ain't never coming back to this place again. So what is it that made you come back here again? And, you know, sometimes I used to look down on those sort of people, like these people love being around men or something. Like what's going on, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, not to be, but so in a nutshell, I think what it is, is if I had the power to do that, it's just giving people a fair chance because people literally genuinely do all the right steps within the system. Not everyone, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I've witnessed people going through the AAs, 
doing all of these rehabilitation um, um, sort of programs to try to better themselves in hope that they might be able to get a job when they get out. And when they come out, to their disappointment, it's like pulling teeth just to try to survive. And Bills is not going to wait for you to get a job. They're going to keep coming in. So now you start thinking, I know how to make money. My boy Tete keep calling me saying, hey, just come and pick up this and you can make that. And it's easy to just, I need the money. Like I need to survive. No one is willing to hire me because I have this criminal record on my, um, I'm not saying I was a, a victim of it because I never put myself in the predicament to go through that based on me seeing that within the system. I said, there's no way hell I'm going to come out and look for a job for that reason. Because I felt like people didn't give us a chance, even though, you know, a lot of us did make silly mistakes, you know, dumb, dumb moves that, you know, causes our freedom. But then we get re, um, um, you know, we get um, re-sentenced by society once we come out. So we can't really progress and try to start our life over again or whatever, because so it's easy to fall back into the, into the, into the, um, and so that's why I'll go back to those people that says why is, you know, 90% of the 90, I, I don't know what the rate is now, but it's pretty high on mm. people that go in and go right back in again. So wow. it offended. It's pretty high. It's about 90% of the people that come out, go right back in. It's crazy. And it's usually for people that come in for a short stay. And the people that go in for a longer stay usually understand not to make that mistake again. Right. That's interesting, right? Yeah, because when you're going with that short stay and you're a street dude, young, that's a strike. I've been on it. What? Nobody can test me now. <laughs> it's a strike. That's your lieutenant strike. You go in second time, that might be your captain strike. <laughs> and now you just this roadman, buddy. <laughs> Guess what? That's it's cool when you a teenager looking cool, thinking it's cool to be a gangster or whatever. But what you gonna be 40 years doing this? You're gonna be 30 doing this, you're gonna be what well, you feel me? So where you investing into something when you're doing these things. So that's what you gotta, you know, remember from when you're doing this. I understood that, you know, too late when I understood that what I was doing was an investment. Mm. So I invested into the wrong things and I, you know, the the benefits based on investing into the streets is dead or in prison. Mm-hmm. That's what you get back. Nothing else. Yeah, you get this mo- fake money. I always look at that money. It's such a mirage. Now that I look back, it's a mirage, bro. It doesn't belong to you. You literally saving up for the state. You know, you, if you get what I mean by that is when you get caught, you got to explain how you made that money. You got to be like, well, you know, all right, Mr. Tom, you got a hundred thousand in your house. Nice house, boss. Really nice. How did you get that? What job did you do? What was your business? Working in Tesco. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Can't explain it. You got caught with drugs. We taking that. You can't explain it. You got caught with drugs. We taking your car. We take it. And you you go in. You come back. You got to start from scratch again. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you want to invest in, just you always got to think about you saving up for the government because they, they'll wait till you get fat and they'll come and just cut all that off. What does a person do? Like my, my question really is like they've come out, they're on the street. What, what should a person do? They doesn't, they don't have a, a great looking body like yours. 
you know, you know what, when I go how can a person now, help themselves, you reckon? When I go into prison now, what I because I go into prison, I do before the pandemic, I was going into the jail, and what I was when I was telling them in there is what I did when I was in there, which is I didn't wait to come out to say what am I going to do now that I'm out. I knew I was coming out. I was paying attention to my surroundings. I was listening to what people were saying. I came back and made a decision based on not going to look for a job because that's the failure. That's what's killing people. That's, that's what's bringing people in. They got their hopes so high up. When I get up, I'm going to get a job in construction. I'm going to get a job here, there. But society got a whole different dream for you, dog. <laughs> you have to lock on 100. If, I, if you not being a convict, got to knock on 10 doors. I got to lock on 100 of them. So that's the difference. So with that said, I was not going to be that guy. I wasn't going to put myself on that predicament to make myself come back in prison because I'm like, you know what? No one wants to hire me. So my only hustle is underground. Mm. And that's where most people find themselves in. They find themselves in this trap where they want to make it. But, um, you know, it's society it's, doesn't help. Society is, is saying, oh, you're a convict. The tick says you're a convict. You think about it. And even if they're going to give you a job, if you used to just think about it, you're a guy that has. And I always say a, a person that take that route is a risk taker and a risk taker is an entrepreneur a person that just was thought the wrong thing just had the wrong sort of you know people to look look up to around them but they are risk takers but they're just taking the wrong risk you know but if you flip that around you get the 50 cents the jay-z's you know these people were straight on the streets hardcore look at 50 he got shot nine times in the face today can you tell him that he's not a businessman Mm. Right. Look at the movies he's making. Power TV. He's not even about music no more. That on fifties been dead music wise, but he is relevant because of the power moves he's making as an entrepreneur. And a lot of us in the hood that make these moves, we have that ambition in us. We want to become that, but we just we looking at a drug dealer as oh that's the entre entrepreneur route right there. No, <laughs> so they need more of us. Probably a reason why a lot of people like Scarface, you know, a lot yeah. of, um, I don't know, ex-convicts or a lo lot of people, a lot of people. But like yeah. a lot of my uh, old friends uh, from back in the hood love Scarface. And I guess yeah, that's yeah. the... Either... We all one of them, yeah. <laughs> it's that lifestyle, the wildness. Wow, this dude don't care. Wow, he's wow. Yeah, but you, you can see the hunger. You can, you can really... Uh, but you could see the, the, the you could see the entrepreneurship, right? Yes, that's it. Exactly. You know, he's he's a bit of a visionary. He knows where it can go. You know, and maybe it's the wrong type of product, but definitely a visionary. Yes, and we have so many of them just doing the same thing, like you just mentioned. That's a very good example, right there, Scarface, because it shows you exactly what it is. We hungry. We 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 want. We don't want your average success. We want this success that we've seen on TV, MTV. They're driving these big boy cars and they're living in mansions and I could see them, but they're talking about the wrong things of how they got to it, but they're musicians. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. sometimes it's the wrong message. They say, you know, musicians will come out and talk about what they've done in the past. Like, yeah, I used to flip coats and black, like Jay-Z for, you know, 
So a young person on the streets, they're thinking, you know, this is the message that is being pumped into their head and they're looking at those people around them also. You know, wow, Tay-Tay, he sells drugs. Look at the big car he's driving. My uncle, he works for the state. His shoes is always torn up. <laughs> he's always broke. My uncle is always living from male to male. Like, I don't want to be like him. I want to be like this dude right here that, you know, he looked like life is good for him. But that person is selling the wrong product. So it's the wrong type of entrepreneur that is being exposed to for a lot of people growing up in deprived communities. And hence why crime rate is, is so crazy. And, and I'll say deprived people always trying to put color on deprived communities. Like, for example, it's, oh, it's just, you know, black on black. Anywhere that's deprived, bro, crime is high. No matter if it's in Scotland, Russia, Poland, you're going to find crazy crime in places where it's poor, where there is no role models. There is nobody to look up to and say, I want to be like this dude. You're going to see that. So that's what we live in. So that's why, you know, MEM, when I first saw you, I said, you know what? We are access to people that we could flip this. We can help flip some of this around and prevent a young person doing what I've done, looking at you know, the drug dealer for as a role model or the gang as the family to join. They could join our family, learn how to live dumbbells. <laughs> you feel me? Instead of picking up guns and knives. And did that you, was the vision. Did, did you mention that you recently went to visit a prison? Yeah, yeah. Before the pandemic, I was going into um, Pentonville and ISIS. Okay. Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, basically I worked under my business at MEM Academy. Um, um, you know, the CIC community interest company, we work with young people to prevent them from going into prison. And also we work with um, um, ex-offenders. So when they come out, I get a lot of referrals of people with aspiration of starting a career within the fitness industry specifically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and again, I tell them my story. That's why I go in there and then I tell them my story and I let them know that, um, Preparation is key. Don't just do time. Don't let the time do you. You do the time. Prepare. Use this as a, a, you know, you made a mistake. Learn from it. Don't repeat it. (laughs) And in order to do so, if you want to give yourself a chance, think of something that you could do on your own, where you don't need to go beg someone to, you know, say, you know what, can I get a job or can you give me it? Just think about that one thing you could, you don't need no one for. And you could build on that as your safety net. So when you're trying to look for a job, you got this, this safety net that's sort of, it's like for me, it was MEM. My safety net was, I got this thing called MEM. I mean, at the time it wasn't called MEM. It was just this idea, right? Mm. And then that was my safety net. I want to, you know, so if even if this don't work, I could draw, I got art. So again, that was my other safety net, you know? So I have different things that I could I say, you know what, this I could do by myself. I could sell my art pieces. I could do portraits. I could do this. I could start something. So we all got something in us that we could say, you know what, if this person don't want to give me a job, let me see what I could do with my little skill set here. Let me see if someone won this. And for me, I knew, you know, fitness opened our door. Amazing. <laughs> you know? It opened mm-hmm. the door. So, um, yeah, sometimes I look, I do look back. I'm like, wow, I came from here and I'm doing this. Like, dang, you know, whatever I was doing in there did work. So it's something that I'll let definitely recommend for somebody that's in my in the predicament I was in. 
to make sure you plan while you're doing your time. Don't do it when you come out because when you come out, shit is coming from so many angles. The planning stage is over. You know, it's, you can't. Now you don't even have the mind to start planning. Yeah. You know, your parole officer wants you to come and check in. This person is saying this, that. So, oh, and then the bills are still coming in now. You know, oh, you out. You got bills. <laughs> you know? Um, so, um, what is the direction of uh, MEM for the future? Oh, man. I, I mean, we've, as you know, we've been going since 20. Uh, I mean, I, st- I established the brand in 2011, but the first leg was MEM Fitness. So, MEM Fitness is more product based. Okay. But, I started everything under that same umbrella. So obviously my whole mission was to create this entrepreneurship, this whole thing that will replace this drug dealer um, um, vision for these young people. Somebody that I could look at, this dude came from here and did this. I could do that too. That was my whole thing, right? So, and I was happy to bump into people like yourself to help me along the journey, you know, like you, um, Mahata. You know, it was a lot of us. And everywhere we went, it was people like this like wow and it whatever i was doing you know the vision was working because i didn't have the money i didn't have no product i just had the ambition and the name so uh but then how do you get the name out there i need people that look like me me by myself i'm not going to get that message out mm-hmm. i need 20 of me to create that impact so that's hustling without no money just the creativity and the ambition and the passion and all of that. People saw it through. Like, I'm sure you felt it when I came to you and said, bro, I'm telling you, you can do this. We can. And you're like, you know what? Hmm. Yeah, we can. We can inspire people. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, we, we collaborated. And, um, and it's the same thing I got. Eventually, like I said, when I look back, I was like, damn, it's like 20 of us now. Jesus, everybody's in hell of a shape. Mm-hmm. And everywhere we went, it's head spinning. Who are you? M-E-M, 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 M-E-M. So within two years, I'm like, it's time to register this name. And then that's when I went on company's house because the name was just, every, people was inviting us to places like Body Power for free, bro. Mm-hmm. Oh, just come on in. And the M.E.M. boys are coming. <laughs> <laughs> Even for Muscle Mania. Remember Muscle Mania? Um, yeah, yeah. We, I was there with the team and it's the same thing. The M.E.M. boys are here. Are they, and I'm like, wow, are we famous? Boys. <laughs> <laughs> we famous, bro. I created a... Um, you know, I was, it's, it's a problem to say, you know, I, whatever I was doing in the system, I repeated it on the inside where I used to bring people together for a good cause. Simple. And um, so with that, I created a business model around that. And that became MEM Academy CIC. MEM Fitness just focused on the products, which is, you know, hoodie, t-shirts. Um, now we, uh, we even do sneakers now. So footwear, outerwear, the whole shebang. Wow, you don't get many. Um, I don't know if you call it apparel or unless it's like massive brands, you don't really. I guess it just depends on what level your your company is at, but it's it's quite difficult to do uh, footwear. You know, I think yeah. you know. You know what it is. It, it is, but like 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 um like I told you, man. On the inside, I knew I was risk taker. I did the wrong things, taking the wrong risk. Now I'm taking the right risk, I think. 
Amazing. You know, it can either hurt or I'm not going to go to jail if I fail. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. That's really good. Really? I like that. Uh. And for me, it's like, bro, I look at my, my the people I look up to, right? The, look, the people I look up to are the people that I don't look at how they look, they, where they at today. The people I look up to, Nike is one of them, the person behind that brand. And to me, Nike is not an alien. He bleeds. He wakes up in the morning just like I do. His name is Phil Knights. He wakes up in the morning just like, like I do. You know, he if you slap him, he might say, oh, shit, why did you slap me? So he's human in a nutshell. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So whatever a human being can do, if I if I aspire to get into that lane, I'm the only person I could block myself from not doing that, not being able to achieve those goals. That's how I look at life. Mm. So the way I look at life is, if someone wants to be like Roger Snipes, want to put on the muscles, if you sit down and talk about it, it's never going to happen. But if you get up and put in the action, you're giving your chance, yourself a chance for it to happen. And that's how I always believe, join the race. Don't sit back and say, man, I wish I could run just as fast as you said, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> you could wish forever, bro. But you, it only takes action to figure out, is it going to work or not? And for me so far, you know, I could say that it's, it's not failing. I mean, every time I put out a product, they sell. You know, I put in the work. And I think, you know, like my, my like I said, my um, my background is, is art. Like I was in jail. I survived through, you know, drawing people. And artistic was, you know, it, creativity. You know, I'm blessed with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I've incorporated that into my business, you know, in terms of, coming up with designs for clothing, um, strategizing for the business in terms of, because everybody think it's just, oh, I want to do clothing. And yes, poof, they go to clothes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's, it's, if you think about all of these things, it's, it's a strategy. It's not just you get up in the morning and yes, take the action, but it's a strategy. Like what kind of clothing are you trying to create? You know, um, you know, what, what, what kind of, what makes you different from that person doing the same thing as you, you know, all of those things you got to think about mm-hmm. your branding. And so that's things that I've learned over the years of doing it. But first I dove into it. Mm-hmm. I didn't sit back and wait for perfection before I, I get into it. I just went in, I had a, a vision and I just say, you know what, I'm going to learn as I go along. Yeah. So I've learned from my mistakes, you know, you done good, man. And nah, I'm still bro. learning. I'm yeah. still learning. Look, bro, I'm going to have to uh, wrap it up there. I think we covered a lot, man. That was that was a incredible. Whole, a whole lot. It, yeah. It's amazing, bro. Amazing. <laughs> you know, your whole story, uh, it's so insightful. You know, I, I've always wondered what it's like being on the inside of, you know, someone who's been behind bars. You just hear about. You know, it was there, I'm done now, and this is what I'm doing. But it's, yeah. it's, it's good to know, okay, when a person goes there, and also what happens when they come out? Like, what did they learn while they were there as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic, man. It's good to I, it's appreciate it, man. I mean, yeah, like you said, what did they learn? I always use uh, Malcolm X as an example in terms of how a person can switch, flip the script. Because remember, Malcolm went in as a, as a stick-up kid, a robber. Yeah. That's what he was known for. So I would say if Malcolm X would have died in prison, he would have been known as a robber, a person that robbed people. That's it. 
and you would not know about this great person called Malcolm X. But he educated himself. He recognized, you know what, I messed up. Let me educate myself. And what prison do is it gives you an advantage over what's going on out here because I feel like I had an advantage because I was way less distracted. I had the time to learn a game like chess. You know how complex that game is? And master that, you know? So I had the time to do that. I had the time to, you know, read a lot of books, educate my mind. Like, you know what, when I get out, I can't think average because average thinking, you get average from that. You gotta start thinking outside of the box. How do you, you know, create things and make things, you know, happen? you know, creating jobs. Like to me, that's an accomplishment. Like I, I would hate to be the guy that says, you know what, he came out, he got a job. He's living in a council flat. He's all right. He's not committing no crime. He's good. That's whack to me. I mean, let me just rephrase that. I wouldn't say that's what, that's an accomplishment, but I wanted more. Yeah. I wanted to do more than that. Like just to say, oh, I got a job and I'm earning money and that's it. Like I wanted to create something that leaves like a legacy, an impact, like, wow this dude did that from that. And to me, that's the ambition be behind why I do what I do. And it's like, you know, it's to inspire other people in, in a nutshell to make people realize like humans, we got a huge potential when we use it, you know, even being able to survive in that predicament um, prison for that many years, it takes um, mind strength, bro. It does. And people tell me like, man, I, there is no way in hell I could do two months or a week in there. I'm like, you don't, you just don't know how strong you are until you got, you know, they put you on that predicament. And that's why I said a human skin. Say it again. You, you don't know how strong you are until you have no choice but to do it. Yes. So you start, that's what I mean. People think they know themselves until they, they are put under certain circumstances and they start knowing themselves real for real. I realized, oh, you know what? I'm not so weak. This guy right here, he's breaking down. Like this thing is really getting to him. But I find a way to not let this thing get to me. So, you know, that way it was. What you said about the fact that you was behind bars, it was so, oh, there's a way you put it. You said that being in that position actually helped you to not be distracted by the outside world. I thought that yeah, was powerful. It did. That, that was really, really powerful, man. Mm -hmm. I like that. Because yeah. you do have a lot of people here. And I actually done a podcast yesterday, uh, post, no, posted it yesterday. And mm. one of the things that was mentioned was the problem which a lot of people happen in life is that they have too many options. So because of that, they're so yeah. easily distracted. Very. You know what I'm if you got the mindset to uh, to to um, to stop yourself from being distracted, it's good. But if you don't, and you're put in a predicament where you've got no choice, yeah, that can be helpful. Yeah. But look, Derek, thanks a lot, man. That's been amazing. I want to want to wrap it up now. But what I want to do is, um, where I want to know where can people find you? I know you're on Instagram. What is your Instagram handle? um so mem mem fitness is um the brand mm -hmm. so that's the um and my personal page is Derek underscore twam 24 that's right. from kobe Bryant. it's not my age all <laughs> oh, right 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 <laughs> so um yeah so that's that's it so mem academy is the um um the community interest company 
but through MEM, all of that stuff, MEM fitness, I mean, that's the main page. So MEM fitness, right. Okay. I'll, I'll, MEM fitness. I'll put that in the notes so people can click on that link there. Nice one, my bro. Awesome, Mate, been some years. Let's not make another five to six years before, you know, we cross path again, boss. I know, man. I know. I think I shot you a message about a restaurant I want us to go yes, to. Yes, so, yes, uh, yes, yes. I'm down for that. Yeah. So, yeah, let's make that happen. Yes, um, yes. Let me get a date because I know that's that's you. You got you putting that together, right? Say again? The date. You're going to put that together, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> Bro, okay. thanks for the opportunity, man. That was a good look, man. It was for, fantastic. Uh, you know, um, coming on the Rogers Nights platform. <laughs> you know, great to see you, you know, doing what you're doing and keep that the F up, bro. Because <laughs> you're killing it. You're killing it, man. You're killing it. The, the, your podcast is on point. You got some really um, interesting people on there. So it's really educational. So you can learn a lot from, from that podcast. And, I'm, you know, that's why, you know, as soon as you asked me, I was like, yep, I'd like to be part of this all day long. Yeah, you've got a lot to give, man. A lot. This is something oh, which is not covered by anyone. So appreciate yeah. it, man. Respect, brother. Bro, let me let you go. <laughs> yeah. I know you got some pump to go game. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we catch up in a bit, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. God bless, bro. All right, bro. God bless, man. In a bit. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips. So always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links, which will be written in the show notes. These shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes will not only provide you with the best services, but will help out the podcast too. So thank you. If you do like the Roger Snipe Show podcasts, then why not give it a review? A five star would be awesome. But some great feedback on what you liked about the show or what you would have liked to hear would be helpful too. Until next time.